Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. Bow! Damn it! That is for you, Matt Well. God. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault. On, that's 504 and This is a couple of decades removed. Oh, wow. Uh, your, I was going back to Dawson. This effects. is your very weekly uh, rhetorical wow. assault on the news cycle, people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I do various things at Freethink, but today I'm in the captain's chair. God damn it. Wow. You people work for me. And I'm happy to be here. See, By he, you people, I am referring, of course, to the very black Matt Welch, Reason Magazine, editor at large, uh, Michael Moynihan, also me. very black. Too black, actually. Too <laughs> strong, is what his t-shirt says. That's what my t-shirt says. Uh, of Vice News. Uh, delighted to see those two gentlemen here. And of course, we are joined by our very good friend, Anthony Fisher, who's the politics editor over at Insider. Did you, uh, Anthony Fisher, have anything to do with the fifth column being named one of, weirdly, the 11 best podcasts. <laughs> we were number six. 11 best political podcasts. Political, well, There's a qualification. I mean, like yeah, yeah, Patrick McGuhan in The Prisoner, we are number six. I did yeah. not have anything wow. to do with it being chosen. It was, wow. a, it was a freelancer who wrote that article. The mm. uh, assigning editor asked me if I had any issue with it being listed on the site. And, of course, I did not. Um, so, no, I had nothing to yeah. do with it. And, and the 11 podcast is because uh, it, market researchers found that odd-numbered uh, countdowns do really well. Look at and, that. And I just want to say congratulations. You know when it doesn't do really well? When it's behind a paywall. Because <laughs> <laughs> I oh. couldn't send it to anyone. They're like, I just, I just trust me. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, true. We're, no, we're, above, yeah. we're above the daily. Could you, could They're you number seven. We're number six. To, to, to Push that down, like I, decertify. I, I cannot. I mean, like the, the, the would, would, that'd be like them asking us to uh, de uh, pay all the Patreon uh, special dispatches. I mean, we Can't might. Do that. Yeah, <laughs> we might do that. Well, <laughs> if do that's that. the exchange, that's, exchange. Yeah, that's totally. more than even. What else do they want? <laughs> you guys got to read it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Other people need to know. Um, I, I, I found a way around uh, <laughs> uh, um, paying for it and getting to read it. By the way, okay, cool. There's a trick, you so, guys. You guys don't know about it. You got to pay. You got to DM or or do some kind yeah. of sign up. Is that never fly coach material? No, or? it's 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 not. There's no. It's it's a, it's a, it worked. It worked. Yeah. I Wait, was this, is, for it. this is for insider. This is for fifth column page. No, insider. Like, uh, insider. <laughs> I mean, we're leaking like a sieve. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. And, and as a matter of fact, during this uh, podcast, you said now the weekly. I would almost say twice weekly it's, because it's pretty right right now as we're doing this, I'm going to upload a special dispatch yeah. that for our Patreon only ten dollar uh, class of subscribers end up that, uh, end up and that Matt, it'd be really weird if like if you're 25 you don't get it um, <laughs> that Matt and I recorded on Sunday. It was the Thanksgiving is, hangover show. It was a show. Thanksgiving hangover show, which was like two days after Thanksgiving or three days, and I was still yeah, hungover. Yeah. And we talk a little bit about that. <laughs> And there's some um, previews. Uh, we talk a bit about um, uh, gender fluidity in grunge music versus uh, hair metal music, which is uh, interesting. Um, this is why it's the Patreon only. Like you're, mean, you're shaking your head. <laughs> you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> that shit That's not is... true. I know, I know a lot about hair metal. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, yeah. I know you do. Cinderella. Balls on sugar. Oh, no, no, that's just, no, that's, no. That's, 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 doesn't, also, doesn't quite meet pet no. metal. Yeah. Really? Blow, try metal. No. Yeah. 
Also, can we cut There's that? a difference can between we, the two? Can we cut that out? No, people, I have gotten requests, <laughs> no, multiple no. requests, myriad requests, do you, do insisting you, that I sing you more frequently on the show. You always talk about how you don't know when people are mocking you. You no, don't Why would people mock that. me when I sing like an angel? I mean, I am remarkable. And really? it's not just that I'm talented. Touched it's by the an range. <laughs> it's the range. It's wow. the genre. He claimed that I am right fluent. before you walked in, Moynihan, that he didn't take an Adderall 10, 15 minutes ago. And I'm just not. I haven't I'm taken not. an Adderall since the last time I was here with you guys. Uh, the, the so thing, you're still the erect? The thing about it that I'm so <laughs> mad about is that you had control over the raw files on that episode and you cut. Which, Some stuff from that. Which raw Be- files? Oh, which episode? Of the Adderall. When you took that Adderall, <laughs> you were like, cut it. And I was like, no, you sounded like a lunatic, but it was which, fun. What do you mean? What did the I last cut? time you took Adderall and I you talked for like seven you hours nonstop. It. And then I it out. There was one, did you take out the bit where I was talking about, and you, you made a point and I was like, dude, we just talked about that for 20 minutes. <laughs> no, no, like, it's in there. Okay, good. It's in there. Because you were like literally like <laughs> forming a tweet to Torre for like 25 minutes. That's in there. Which was, yeah. what about like when you recited the entirety of On the Road by Jack Kerouac? Was that, that was, in there? Yeah, no, no, I mean, no, it's it, 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 some of it out. <laughs> That's not it there. I know it was like an Andy Kaufman routine. He goes up and just reads The Great Gatsby. Yeah, that was, that was, but no, so the Patreon that we, Matt and I recorded, we recorded it on Sunday is like an hour and a half and, and just you know typically Patreon oriented very meandering but but I God, I'm really selling it no but yeah we, we answer your <laughs> questions this, I do we do comments yeah that's the I best do that's the selling do, Camille, point uh, is that I pretend that that's what people want and I like <laughs> they like it when I make fun of it I'm um, telling you they keep coming back they but we do we go we go into the, the mailbag which we were trying to figure out what it's called we ended I think uh, on ball bag or uh, something yeah, like that yeah. that is something bad. like that um that, God. So we did that, and we have a lot of good stuff in there. Because uh, I, I, I listened to it today because I had to cut cut some of the the fat out of it. Um, mm. And by fat, I mean things that would get Matt Welsh fired um, <laughs> if he did indeed have a job. Yeah. I'm not sure he does. <laughs> it's a conditional firing. Um, uh, but yeah, it's good. So I'm going to actually post that. that, that now. So you know we made you editor-at-large? Yeah, yeah. You know what that at-large means? <laughs> the rest of Don't the come later. around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what are we talking about here today? Uh, well, there's plenty of shit going on. Firstly, the Ugh. impeachment thing continues to roll on, entering a new phase, not quite its final form. But this is, wait, my recollection of Dragon Ball Z and the various stages of baddies there is just not quite as good did, as it did, was. What did, language is he speaking? I don't know. Did his hard drive? Is, is, there was a record sweet. scratch in there. He has a psychotic break. Not quite perfect cell, but you know what, what I mean. We're not at Mojin Boo levels yet. What someone Earth here knows what I'm talking about. What? Really? The community looking at me, but no. There's three, three white matter. dudes shaking their heads. It's yeah. really I'm I'm astonished that you're not fluent in Dragon Ball Z bad guys. What? But it doesn't matter. Let's continue. A lot what of shit happening with the Google that? A lot of things happening with the impeachment. Is it because I have like I go out with like women sometimes and I have fun with my life, and I'm not just at home. Lots of chicks go to Comic Con these days. Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. No, I know. It's I know. Cosplay. Is oh, the thing. I, I met I met this really hot girl at, at the Comic Con. No, no, no. Um, I met this like really attractive woman. I'm not supposed to say this on the podcast. Yeah. Um, she was she was a babe, uh-huh. and um, we were talking, and this is like in the context of I can't remember what it was, but um, she uh, she, she said something about Instagram, uh-huh. and because um, she's like 11 or something. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, like Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> uh, but you no, know, she was like in her 20s, so she's uh-huh. like that's like the currency and that's the language. And I give my Instagram, and she's like, oh, I just followed you back. Because mine's private for some reason, but I just accept everybody. I don't know why I make it private. So I, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I look at hers. And the whole thing is her dressed up in 
as like various like star, I guess Star Wars characters. I don't even know if they are. Probably not. They're from sure. like the Mandalorian or what the hell it's called. Is that what it's called? Well, that's new. Is that so a thing? You said you met her a year ago. Yeah, it was more than that. It's probably not from the Mandalorian. I don't know what a Mandalorian is. Yeah. I thought it was an instrument. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and, but it totally screwed me up because I was like, this girl is like smoking and like super cool, and then yeah. I'm like. Look at her, and she's like, I don't know, dressed up like the the Doctor Who or something. I don't know. Is that a thing? <laughs> well, kind yeah, of, but is that the sure. thing they they do with the, yeah, these sure. things? All yeah. right, dress up like various characters from Doctor Who. Sure. Yeah, and there was a there was a female Doctor Who as well. Oh, that doesn't seem right. No, it's a thing. <laughs> I have no idea. Is that is that? Did that make you people object mad? to that? No, I don't know. I, know I, mean, I think you're objecting to there being a female Doctor. Who no, I'm not because problem. I don't even know what. It, a we doc- need to dig into that. Is, wait till we tell them about Doc McStuffin. Wait, I know that one, pissed. but I don't even know what a Doctor Who is. <laughs> what kind of Doctor is he? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. <laughs> is he a medical doctor? I no. Because if it was like if it was like an OBGYN, I'd totally get that there was a female Doctor Who. Yeah. But if if it's like because that's because like, that's the only kind of doctor a woman would be. It's it's the law. I don't it's make the law. All true. Oh God, uh, the misogyny is killing me. It's not misogyny. It's so, confusion. So we say. So you asked what is going yeah, on? Sorry, <laughs> we may have to cut all of that. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Uh, there's the impeachment situation, which uh-huh. continues to. Develop. We had Nancy Pelosi come she out and give here. a very serious, <laughs> sober it's all that speech. you drank for sure. to assemble journalists, telling them about this this serious matter that we have to do. So we can get into that. We actually have two reports from Congress from the Intelligence Committee, um, one from mm-hmm. the Democrats who are running things, and one for the Republicans who are. In, in opposition, I guess they're in the mi- minority, but I like to say that they're in opposition it's in this particular context. Um, so we've got those two reports to discuss. The president went to a NATO summit. The impeachment proceedings are a pretty interesting thing to have happening while the president is over there doing NATO stuff. Um, and a lot of Democrats are dropping out of the presidential race, um, including, drumroll, Kamala Harris. Which is a pretty almost pronounced it right. Big yeah. deal. All I know is it's very urban, which is <laughs> probably something that was a, a challenge well, for her. Well, Camille, you were the obviously. Now? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> if you're new, it's to a the very podcast, urban name. If you came to this podcast, you know, from the it's probably why insider, a lot of white voters were struggling the, to support her. The, the paywalled because they don't like insider that. list that yeah. you would not know now because it is soften her image. That Camille is himself black, yeah. despite the fact <laughs> that he doesn't acknowledge. That's what you. That's what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of thrilled that she's out of the race on some levels um but you're also apoplectic about the response because we had a text chain that Mm -hmm. was getting longer and fatter and like i went away for like two hours to get like a (laughs) a cup of coffee and i came back and there's like 800 messages because (laughs) there's so many well i mean we call it different things on the patreon this one (laughs) this is the free one this is a cup of coffee um and uh i came back and and you guys had all collected these examples Mm -hmm. of one very quickly developing narrative Uh about kamala harris's departure Camille, mm. as the person in the room who is definitely not black, um, <laughs> what? How would you describe the emerging narrative about her her uh, exiting the race? Well, one, it's the shock and surprise on everyone's part because Camille, at one point, was considered to be a front runner. I it was believe like there one was like minute. a there was like a CNN thing. 
Yeah, because she was like, Joe Biden, you're old. But no, I, I mean, like, even, but even like, before she yeah. got the, the bump in the polls, yeah. even before she got the bump in the polls, I remember like a CNN power ranking where yeah. she was at the top of the list. Yeah, it was like, a Salizzo Everyone list. thought she was the one of the, if wrong. not the most formidable candidate for various reasons. She was a woman and she had this star power and she just yeah. really dazzled people in the Senate. Yeah. Um, and she was also a, a, a minority, which allowed her to play to that particular audience and really energize the Democratic base. Only thing about that, that whole thing is that never actually materialized. And the narrative that emerged yeah. subsequently is, well, obviously this didn't work out because she is both a woman and black and both of those things in super misogynist and racist America are obviously the reasons why her campaign faltered and she ultimately could not compete. Um, and that is what many uh, a pundit has been writing about. But uh, it, ferociously, there's, there's an interesting split here. Mm. Uh, the actual narrative that emerges about <clears throat> her, if you read professional political journalists who cover this stuff for a living, mm -hmm. uh, including not a small number who are themselves of color of, of certain varieties, whatever is, that means, it, whatever that means mm. is that she ran a real shitty campaign, uh -huh. which she did transparently. Like mm -hmm. she would change her. She was, Oh, Medicare covers everybody. Oh, well, um, no, maybe it doesn't. You know, she was, was making stuff up on the fly and reversing mm -hmm. herself ran as being this law enforcement capo who's going to bring the hammer down on Donald Trump and then said, oh, no, no, I wasn't like I'm not a cop. Why would you say Kamala is a cop? That's a racist thing to say. Um, I was a, I was a progressive uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, attorney general Cop. of California, which is the last <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is people didn't, you know, civil libertarians didn't seek out Kamala Harris only they didn't discover her name mm -hmm. only when she started running for president or even Senate. But all she was the enemy yeah. of these people for a long time. So uh, she ran a bad campaign. Really, all, all of that while trying to steal the mantle of like super revolutionary from Elizabeth Warren when she wanted to abolish yeah, she ran insurance companies until she didn't want to abolish insurance companies a couple of days later. So the uh, the actual response like a very trustworthy group. These <laughs> <laughs> the responsible journalistic uh, narrative is actually the right one, which is that bad bad candidate ran a bad campaign. Yeah, and that's everywhere. There was a lot of really good reporting on that. Um, but it, the cheap hot take politics social media uh, thing, just like it always is, uh, it's really easy to say. Well, you know, Beto O'Rourke would have never gotten the kind of scrutiny that she did. Which, oh, that's the constant. I mean, and, and, and it is demonstrably false because what exists are uh, newspapers. They don't disappear the day after they come out. You can just go back and look at the coverage <laughs> and the fawning, the one fawning uh, cover that I saw was Vanity Fair, uh, which is, by the way, now edited by a black woman, Radhika Jones, I think her last name is. And um, sh there's, he's been like the first white guy on the cover in like 12 months, basically. And he was on the cover of Vanity Fair. But the funny thing about it was to see, you know, we're so over words having particular meetings and we've just kind of forgotten about them. So I loved when people said afterwards, you know, now we have a field that it just isn't diverse. And I'm like, you mean that? Asian guy, the gay guy, the woman, the old guy, they're like, that's what, what does it mean? What does it mean at this point? Is that like, um, and you know, you see the Buttigieg, uh, Camille, I think you tweeted about this, the Buttigieg event, uh, which a, I, I, I think a white person from black lives matter. It's so confusing. Um, he's a, a Bernie supporter. And of course, black lives matter being a, a decentralized organization with no leadership. Anyone can be affiliated with them. So he had on a black lives matter t-shirt. Okay. That's in uh, the, um, Funniest thing is I sent a text to you guys um, and it was a subhead 
Did I send that to me? Yeah, there's a subhead that I loved, and it was from uh, BuzzFeed, and it was something mm-hmm. about, and I can't find it now because my text that updated on my computer yet. Um, but it was something about how uh, the in the subhead of the actual piece about how the race and the identity of the protester were not yet clear. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and there's so much in that. The actual subhead is a man whose race and identity could not immediately be verified, took the microphone verified. from a black verified. South Bend leader at Buttigieg campaign event. I mean, did they verify the, the race of the black South yeah, Bend leader? Exactly. Did they go to them and say, hey, I just want exactly. to confirm. Yeah. Are you black? Yeah. And he's like, actually, what I'm would happen from India. if that was you? If it was me, how do you verify your? I would ask for a correction. I would immediately demand it, yeah. and I'd demand that man be fired for his insensitivity and his hostility so, towards it, racially agnostic Americans. It is so crazy that that you know there's times in which the media is this horrible uh, like assemblage of racists and like you know mm-hmm. patriarchal scumbags that work at the New York Times building, <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, Barry Weiss is like not even welcome in the building. You know, because she has like she's like a liberal who has slightly kind of off views from their perspective on certain issues. But it's, it's funny how how it fluctuates. So when you can talk about the, the news media in the context of this, like, OK, Kamala Harris is out. So we won't actually, you know, marshally evidence. It's not like, do you remember this thing that they said? You remember that thing? It's just like, no, never, never, never. It's like they, she was so unfairly treat, treated. Nobody would have gotten the scrutiny and nobody did get the scrutiny. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like every day, Joe Biden, I mean, this is the, the king of the own goal, but he's being brutalized by the media and mm-hmm. rightfully so. And they're doing yeah. their job in that way. And, and somehow he still manages to resonate with voters. And those people, by P- the way, particularly say Particularly black voters yeah. Yeah. with yeah. whom she did not resonate. Well, ever. At, what did you point? <laughs> as you pointed out, and uh, t- false consciousness. Yeah. That's the idea, right? Yeah. Black, like the, the problem with Kamala Harris is that black people uh, were voting for not Kamala Harris. They were voting for Joe Biden. They wanted her. They were, they were showing their approval for Joe Biden. And it's like, well, you know why that is. And I'm like, okay, here you're going to tell me it's why they don't. Jamil, why Jamil they don't. Smith. Yeah. It's Jamil Smith's piece in Rolling Stone. It's like here. Kamala Harris mattered and still does. It ma- she mattered. Why? Mm-hmm. And why like, did she matter? Serlina Maxwell, uh, uh, who's an MSNBC contributor, saying like, if, if you, white person are going to write a take about why uh, Kamala Harris's uh, campaign didn't work uh, without uh, investigating racism and sexism in this country. Well, you know, you need to check I, yourself. I really, but did I, she do anything? Did she post any pieces of evidence that this, that the media, that's and, the thing like in, in these moments and so it, it happens, we've talked about this before. I remember when, when uh, before Elizabeth Warren uh, spiked in this, in this race, there was a, uh, a, uh, people making the same kind of hot takes on social media saying, I can't believe that Elizabeth Warren is not being taken seriously by the media because she's a woman. And it's like, that's no, actually Elizabeth Warren is as close to the sweet spot for political journalists as any candidate in this race, or at least she was up until the Medicare for all, I'm going to pay for it somehow uh, debacle because she had a plan for everything. She sort of appealed to people's sense of, of wonkery, like mm-hmm. shallow wonkery. Like she says she has a plan for everything. I, I believe in my heart that uh, I want to believe in the kind of technocracy plan for everything, even though I don't understand how those plans work. So I don't understand how her, her math doesn't add up. Right. So she, appealed <laughs> I was trying to follow that. I perfectly. Think I yeah. It's, it's, you yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah. Next time barbiturates instead of Adderall, <laughs> <laughs> you'll get down to my level. Yeah. Um, 
But like it, it, totally. But no one ever in those moments says, <clears throat> you know what? Uh, in the month of February, the month of April, the month of June. X candidate got X number of mentions was talked about for this amount of time on the cable nets. Uh, what, any, there's never any comparative weight to bear. It is as if the proof uh, it, it's, it's assumed that the proof is already there, mm-hmm. that there's a there's a standing bias against this. All you have to do is look at the scoreboard person in this category didn't do well. So, you know, but shaking you, my damn head. Obviously, this is because of that. There's never any yeah. evidence in, the, in that. Right. I, I think the, the way this happens and the, the reason it happens so frequently and nobody even points it out. I mean, y- you would not, you know, fare very well on Twitter if you made some sort of very, very serious claim about, you know, the church or the media or the or some branch of the government without justifying it with a, without a scrap of evidence. And the way this has been allowed to 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 go forward in, in you know, such a like obviously fake way. Right. Is because those of us who would point it out are kind of too afraid to point it out. I mean, these people really do govern by fear in a way. I don't. And like, wait, why can't you say that? It's like, well, yeah, of course I can. And maybe I am a coward, but there I, I am. It is a hot stove to me that I just don't, I know not to touch anymore. It's like, we can I tell just, by your weekly, you know, twice weekly podcasting <laughs> where you talk about it all the time. What you talking about? Willis? No, I'm <laughs> I'm That's, that was a deep cut there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Go, go to like um, Webster. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. What's up, George Papadopoulos? Um, that was his <laughs> Webster's dad. It was played by Alex Karras, but um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, honestly though, but like on Twitter, like I don't want to, you don't want to talk about this stuff, Matt Welch, do you? Like, I, do you, I mean, do you wade into debates that, that I don't, t- th- I don't it's throw a bombs. Third rail. Like, I but, mean, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw bombs anyways. Cause it's not my personality. Like I, I, I would prefer, I prefer to say things that are demonstrably true. And I choose my words. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I no, choose I my know. words carefully mm. because I think that's actually useful at a time yeah. like this because nobody else does. Or yeah, very no, few no, I agree. Do. I agree. I mean, in me, I, I like, I'm just joking 98% of the time. So I'm not yeah. even trying to be serious, but I, but <laughs> on, on, this, on this serious point, though, is if, your ass. no, it's true. Uh-huh. I mean, it's obviously true, but um, <laughs> I, I think that it's that we all kind of know that a lot of people don't want to talk about these issues at all. Well, I think it's so easy. I mean, look, the news media writ large is being accused of harboring horrible racists without any evidence. So when you are going to wade into that debate, what do you know going in that the person on the other side is accusing people of racism without evidence? So therefore maybe it's best not to get in there and get the napalm all over you. To speak about another thing that's happened since the last time we convened, there's been a lot more kind of uh, skepticism thrown at the 1619 project, the New York times that we've talked about on previous uh, episode mm-hmm. by socialists by social i mean a socialist what's the name of the world uh, socialist website yeah uh, wsws they've been but in, the historians they're interviewing aren't all are not, no, james no, mcpherson no. and, and yeah. other people yeah gordon wood is not right yeah. and it's fascinating to watch uh anyone who ventures out onto the twitter scape and says hey look these uh historians are bringing up very interesting contextual and factual um concerns about the work of this and what say you, people who did the 1619 Project? And I, I see, at least in my feed, people I follow, um, that's being presented not as a dunk, not as a ha-ha, you suck, but as a, for the most part, it's like, hey, I would like to see you engage with this honestly. 
And it is responded to overwhelmingly with like, again, we have to defend ourselves, you know, notice who's who's uh, saying this is always white people. Like mm-hmm. it's there isn't that response. And that goes to speaks to your point, Moynihan, like yeah. like even if you go in in the in the clothes of good faith, regardless of whether, you know, uh, you actually have it, but you're demonstrating good faith uh, saying, hey, can you deal with this? Uh, skepticism and criticism of your work by people who are acclaimed scholars on it, um, you don't get treated that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, that I'm sure that has a, uh, a a way of making people not want to engage. And, and look, it's perfectly fine for a newspaper to take on a project that has a political bent of some sort, even if it's a, you know, a sort of supposed excavation of unknown history. And then other <laughs> scholars come back and they have their argument too, or other magazines or other newspapers can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that just the way it is presented is what offends me so much about it. And I see, I've gotten messages from people who are on Twitter, who are, who are lefties on Twitter, um, who are like, hey, you, when you guys are talking about 1619, I totally agree. And it's mostly not, it's not about like, you know, the world socialist guys are talking about, you know, whether slavery is is the natural outgrowth of capitalism. You know, it's that kind of argument. And um, and they think that it's, it's, it's on the wrong focus, of course. And this is why, by the way, you have things like the Red Scare podcast, which is very funny and I like a lot. And they're like hard lefty girls two girls who are like bernie supporters and super lefties and they hate woke culture and they're super funny about it and there's a a, a subreddit called stupid poll stupid pol about, and it's all you know marxist socialist lefties who just rip on identity politics that's all a, that's always been the class-based analysis it is right and now it's analysis. but now it's it's emerging in a totally different way where it's like it, the if you, you could look at this stuff and be like huh sounds like uh you know Ben Shapiro or something, because it's a lot of it's focused on making fun of identity politics. But I think the problem with the 1619 that a lot of people had, even if they have minor disagreements with the way the history is prevented I mean, and, and major disagreements too, is it's presented as mm-hmm. history that's been uncovered uh-huh. because there's been a tarp over it and hidden behind a warehouse and they discovered it and they said unfurled and say, well, this is actually the truth. And it's not saying, yes, well, the this posturing is, that this is, this is objective and it's incontrovertible right? and, and only a monster would disagree with yeah. our, our new framing. Yeah. It's also, there's nothing confrontational about the presentation um, mm-hmm. as it's still the case to this day. We've continued to reach out to people associated with the project, including the the lead personality behind the project. And they are just not interested in talking to people who have a critical take on the work that they've done. Do you know who loves talking to people about stuff like this? Historians. And you know why? Because if <laughs> I'm getting an invitation from Camille Foster Anthony Fisher, Matt Welch, Michael Moynihan, uh-huh. and I'm a historian and I've devoted my life to this and I know one issue, I'm going to come in and I'm just going to fucking mow you guys down. But you, <laughs> I'm a historian. Right? You, but, you, but you also, you, you have to make yeah. your case of course. because these are yes. subjective cases and you do have the evidence that you've been working on and you're contending against other historians. And I think at least there is perhaps... Well, I'll, I'll sidestep that I will, for a moment. I, I will say this, and I'm kind of glad that you brought that up. Uh, I kind of think that it's a punk move for the most part when you see a cable news uh, station say, you know, and, and we reached out to the representatives yeah. of, uh, of Senator Kennedy mm-hmm. and, 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 and they didn't get back to us. Uh-huh. Can you believe that? Uh-huh. Um, when Camille brings this up, we don't do that normally for a reason, mm-hmm. but like 
we'd done a lot of reaching out to those people. By uh, we, I mean Anthony. Uh, but no, I've, I've done but some reaching Camille out too. Uh, and and uh, there yeah, just hasn't just, been interest. They're not interested. There's a lot of people they're not interested. associated with and, it. And, and at this point, given that we we've know been recognized. We when you open our emails. <laughs> given, given the point that we've been recognized as the sixth most important political podcast, uh, the fact that you're deciding not to come Dude, to it's us. behind a paywall. Put us up to three. Who cares? Oh, yeah. No one's going to see it. But to return to this theme, one other, one other thing that I've seen mentioned a few times is this notion that there's something wrong with the seating in the Democratic presidential primary. Seat or seating. C-D. Seating. D or T. They're homonyms. Huh. <laughs> You're right. This is, this is actually something <laughs> I would say. Which, which word do you mean? I, I, would, I, I was saying seating. Yeah, seating. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go on. So the seating of the states, <laughs> the sequence stop. in which they come. Could, could, could you give it just a clean thing so we can <laughs> no. pick up from here? Do a clean one right now. This no, is right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. Man. I'm not going to do it. Jesus Christ. I'll only redo it because oh, you, you lost the you don't need, But you don't even mean the seating. That's the sad thing. Oh. You mean the, the order of the... That is what I mean. Yeah, that's not seating. It's not? The order of primaries? Well, you could well, say... I mean, you seed in, in the... In a tennis yeah, you seed yeah. in the bracket. You seed in the NCAA tournament. That's yeah, the seating. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Fisher, yeah. am I wrong? Can you adjudicate this, please? I mean, I could see seating? where you're coming from. Yeah, I don't think it's incorrect. It wouldn't have thrown me off. I mean, I, I thought you just didn't hear... I didn't him, actually. You know, so that's, that's, that's if that was the start of you it. You do realize I'm just going to start talking about something else. Right <laughs> yeah, now. It's fine. Okay. At any rate, Stern. the, the sequence on. of states voting in the Democratic Thank primaries that. is yeah. something that has been an issue for certain people. He's I have heard now. folks suggest that the sequencing is in and of itself racist. Because the early states don't have a sufficient number of black voters. And? Perhaps it's not a ridiculous claim, but it's interesting to imagine what the outcome might be. If, for example, South Carolina had come before Iowa in the 2008 presidential contest, would Barack Obama be the president of the United States? Steve Kornacki, former fifth column guest, says no, he would not have. He most certainly would not have. It took a very long time for black voters to decide that Barack Obama was sufficiently black and until they had, they were looking to vote for the white lady. Sufficiently black or perhaps sufficiently electable, which Su- comes which Sufficiently, comes the, the challenge oftentimes was he wasn't sufficiently black. He wasn't, he wasn't sufficiently black. They didn't trust him as a candidate, perhaps. But the principal knock on him beyond the questions of elect- electability from a lot of prominent black pundits was the guy isn't really black. He's not really one of us. I think. I think, again, there's a difference between narrative and among loud people and narrative among the people who are making sure decisions I, this in, is in that this is a fair point but in either case black voters were not voting for him so it's interesting to say yes. it's interesting to suggest that this that the process is racist similarly i suspect that to the extent kamala had, had hung out and it sounded like she was trying to uh, hang in there until the carolinas because she hoped that she might be able to really appeal to those voters it's not obvious that had that happened earlier she would have actually done much better either because she just was not performing well in those parts of the country I so always, I, I don't know if you could really to the extent it is racist and it's undercounting the perspective of black voters um which again i don't i don't think that racist is the right uh, term for that anyways in either in any in either event um, it's interesting to think that the outcomes would have been substantially different in a way that would ostensibly be something that folks who are concerned about these kinds of things 
probably shouldn't want. I mean, one problem with assessing uh, elections and especially primaries is that we don't have uh, sample size. We just don't. Like the modern primary uh, system is pretty much post-war, like it was smoky mm-hmm. back rooms beforehand. And we are, have these really long, extended uh, primary seasons with all of these candidates now for what? two elections like we don't have a lot of things to compare each other to um it's an interesting question i think of hey if you're going to have iowa and new hampshire matter so much isn't it weird that they're small and they're kind of weird they're in their own idiosyncratic way you could say the whiteness is the weird part you could say new hampshire's just general you know weirdness it's in the northeast so that's a problem um uh, is a problem uh, or, you know, and or you could think like, should Ohio or Florida always be the first one? Because it'll give us a more mm-hmm. accurate sense. Maybe, maybe not. But like it's who knows. But the thing is, we don't have enough of uh, of a sample size. We do know that so far in this narrow sample size, if you don't show up in Iowa or New Hampshire, good luck trying to win, mm-hmm. which is going to make it difficult for Michael Bloomberg and some other people. My question for this assemblage here about all of this is that I always worry in those moments when it feels like the things that we maybe broadly all think together are um, preliminarily shown to be perhaps true. Mm-hmm. And this is the case with with uh, Kamala dropping off. We're going to pronounce her name every possible way. That's fine. You just say that one. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In the wake of the dropouts of Kirsten Gillibrand, who ran as like the uber feminist, mm. uh, the dropout of Beto O'Rourke, who was like apologizing for being white mm. uh, in the imminent, I think. I forgive uh, him. He never, he I never apologized for, for sucking. That's what he should have done. No, he was, he was made for this when it happened. He oh should apologize for this. Oh, you're right. Born for this. The way that similar he to being made. treated his poor dog, Artemis. Uh, but uh, the imminent dropout of Julian Castro and other mm. people, like it feels like to me just like on a scoreboard level, like they ran the woke primary and mm-hmm. everybody lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody like there's nobody left who ran the woke primary and is left. Maybe Cory Booker a little bit. Buttigieg is still trying to do it a little bit. How the woke, woke hates Buttigieg. The woke yeah, absolutely he's trying. despises He yeah. desperately wants their vote. I mean, he does. Yeah. You know, this is his new repar- reparations program. There. So since Moynihan is now doing what Camille did with Torre in the last episode <laughs> right now with posting. It's, I, I, literally, I literally have not, I'm not even doing that. I'm just so bored by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's I want to dip over to the impeachment. Wait, stuff. Don't, 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 I want to answer my oh, question. Like, ahead, do, I mean, no, like, do you like do you think uh-huh. that this is proof that you, Camille Foster, uh-huh. are right about the way that identity politics are a big fucking turnoff to people who are normal. I don't, I don't know. I hope so. Boy, that's great. That's Is that great. a bad answer? <laughs> fucking payoff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will. I'm looking will, for a conversation. Here. I, I will, I will point out that this is the free episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we look at it at the moment. Is that man? That man, was that a, hurt. That's a no, I, I mean, genuinely, I don't, I don't know. And I hope so. Um, the, I, I don't know what the polling suggests about this. I'm not sure that it could provide a clear answer, but maybe we'll get there eventually. Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the obvious thing is that um, everybody hates this stuff mm-hmm. and it's not um, narrowly defined by a sort of, you know, age group or, or even race. I mean, it's you also look at poll numbers that like white people, black people, like all kind of hate the cloying 
uh, wokeness, the stuff that you, you especially find on Twitter and can, no matter how hard you think about it and how much you remember it, you still think is an actual, actual rec- uh, reflection of the world until you step out for a second. I'm like, wait a second. These are just a couple of bozos on Twitter. And it's always the same. Like, I don't, you talked about this Maxwell person. Like I see this person all the time. Like, what does that person do? I have no idea. And I'm sure people say it about me, of course, but I don't get like a million retweets and I'm not like an Oracle on, you know, the issue of race or something. I just don't know where these people come from. And then all of a sudden they're making these big sort of statements about it. If you don't, I love anything that starts that way. If you don't think X, then you're obviously this fool and everyone goes crazy about it on Twitter. It's like, get out into the real world and look at like that Yasha Monk piece, former fifth column guest. I don't think I was here for that one, but I've met him before and he's a great guy. But he did that um, piece in The Atlantic about that sort of big study of people's attitudes about, about these sorts of issues. And everyone hates it. And it wasn't something that was generational. It was just that everyone kind of hates this stuff because the people that are the purveyors of it have become so confident because because so many people are so afraid to challenge it that that excess of confidence has produced an excess of stupidity and they're overplaying their hand constantly. So, I mean, I don't think that, you know, 10 years ago you would have had so the, 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 just the frequency of saying, well, clearly X or Y is about race when we have literally no evidence to support the claim. Mm-hmm. And it's just a sort of default thing now. You're like, so I always talk about this in the show. I saw it again this week. It's that anytime I see something that there's a crime or that there's a fight or that something happens between two people of, shall we say different races mm. uh, and it's reported uh, on, it's always the daily mail. It's like, you know, black person uh, gets synced by white and there's no ever an indication that it's racial. Yeah. They could like, so like if you're on the train, I've said this before, if like somebody runs into you and you turn around and like, you're just having a bad day and you push them back. Yeah. It's like Tanasi Coates created this in a way when he said that, you know, in his book, that the greatest act of racial hatred since, you know, dogs and fire hoses was someone bumping his kid when they got off the subway. Yeah. And it's like the, the normalization of these, well, there's small acts of, you know, everyday humiliation. Well, sure, there's some of those that certainly exist, but there's no way of actually identifying them. So what so many people have done is over identified everything Mm -hmm. and made, and at the same time, this parallel path, making the world terrified to actually challenge it. I had a conversation about Tanasi Coates the other day and I ended up looking in my email for like references because I used to talk about, I was so mystified by his celebrity and this is from emails from like mainstream journalists who are like, you know, center, center left and stuff are like, what the fuck? And like, no one has ever said any of the things that they said, like on these like chat, like, you know, um, you know, email chains or like text groups or like, why were you even talking about it? Like, well, no, what precipitated well, the conversation. Uh, well, it was particularly there was, there was the no, 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 it was, it was, it was the fact that um, there was a moment when that book came out mm-hmm. where journalists would compete with one another, particularly like white guy journalists compete with each other to, 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 to try to find an adjective that, 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 you know, the superlative com- contest that would, that would, you know, beat the previous one. My favorite was A.O. Scott, the film reviewer of the New York Times, who said it's like the air we breathe or something like that. <laughs> so that it's, it's as, as necessary as air. And I'm yeah. like, you know, it's not. 
You know, I take a ton, ton, ton of easy guns. I'm fine. You cut off my air supply, I'm going to die. I don't, maybe I'm being too literal with this, but I don't know, man. Doesn't, seems like you're, so no, there's a no, lot of conversation not, not about this. too literal, but you're exposing yourself as a white man. No, well, I mean, I'm exposing myself as somebody... The, the wrong kind of white well, man. Well, I'm exposing myself as somebody who is pointing out that the number of people that were like, man, this is a little yeah. over the top. Yeah. And that those are not people who wrote for like, you know, whatever national review or something. They're yeah. like mainstream people that were like, man, it's a bit, it's a bit crazy the way that this is being dealt with. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's a more satisfying answer to the question that it you is because at least he talked for uh, yeah. a few minutes. But, well, uh, I, well, but I one thing, gonna, I, I was you get your money's worth. I was going to pay co-sign. anything. You freeloaders. I was going to co-sign and just say <laughs> that elite opinion on these things is rather easy to describe. I can I can tease that out and I could give you my perspective on where that is. And I think Moynihan is is accurately describing it. Uh, and I always find myself trying to disentangle whether or not it seems like the general public is actually conforming to that. And I, I just don't know. Like when I poll informally my actual friends from university, which again, this is still kind of elite opinion. Call it university. Why not? Go on. I mean, I also he went say, to school I, in Wales. Also signed, I also <laughs> signed my emails. Cheers. Yeah. So he's going um, on holiday. I do. I do that too. Um, but when I poll them, I do feel like their perspectives have evolved in ways that surprise me. Like they seem more inclined towards like the TNCs of the world. And, you know, as, as youngsters in school together, like we would talk about things and I know that they trend in a more progressive direction, but today their perspectives do seem to fall in line with the way I would expect your typical thoughtful, well-informed, right-thinking journalist in Manhattan or Brooklyn, like to, to talk about these things. But they do set a certain agenda. It's like, I mean, they're, I mean, it's, it's anything of intellectual things, food trends, whatever people pretend to like things that they don't really like. And yeah. that's just a common, common but, thing. But, but yeah, I don't but know what also, the rest of the folks in Iowa but there's also like, like about this. Like, I don't know what the rest of the folks in South Carolina, we live in Donald this. Trump's I, America. I and that. so it's, yeah. it's a rational response to the rise of Donald Trump, no, no, just the rise of some of the nationalists, yeah, yeah, totally. kind of xenophobes around him to say, like, we've been underplaying up until now yeah, and, and to be clear, ugliness in American character. I, I just want to make sure that I, I, I know that there are people that uh, genuinely believe this and they're not. But I'm just saying that I think that it's over indexing for people who are like, you know, put it this way. SNL does a jo- like a joking sketch about the Brooklyn bubble and the, there's a person walking through it, carrying a wife carrying a copy of Thomas Coates' book. <laughs> so it's like they get it too. But like on the Kamala Harris thing, I mean, just put yourself in this position. And this is not a you know media research center kind of Breitbart kind of fever dream. But we all know this to be true. If that came up in an editorial meeting at the New York Times, and you were in that room, would you say this is horseshit? Which part? Sorry. That, that, you know, this is, uh, if somebody brought it up and said, you know, obviously this is something that we, you know, people aren't treated this way. Unless yes, they're coming I out. would say that's horseshit in uh, that meeting. Uh, well, you would have a hard time. And I think that people understand, like, I mean, just to talk to Barry about, I mean, she's an opinion columnist. Like, yeah. She can say, say whatever she wants. I'm a journalist, like a journalist in that sense. And, you know, it's just not popular. Yeah, you know, you. so I, I would say that, but I would know in saying that I would likely be in a minority. 
Right. But it's not even that though. It's, it's in a minority is one thing, but it's, it's being kind of whispered about and blackballed in a way, which, and I, again, it's not paranoid. I know this to be true. And I know a lot of stuff that I think all of us know that we probably sh- can't and shouldn't talk about here, but this happening to people and it's, they're totally rational about their normal. They don't go out and bang the pots like they're, you know, protesting in Caracas or something. They're just like, yeah, that's the way it is. I mean, you just, you just, I'll you tell you it. a very un, uh, interesting anecdote, but it'll be short. Uh, when I, again, first, I'll quote you way to sell it, man. Uh, <laughs> that was actually quoting Camille, but yeah, I'll take, I'll take the songwriting credit. <laughs> uh, when I first walked into the LA times, the first week that I worked there on the editorial board, where I would be the guy making yeah. the lonely arguments, um, there was a copy editor there. We ended up being uh, very good friends and uh, a, a good guy. Uh, but like he saw me as some kind of right wing troglodyte uh, mm-hmm. coming in there and he was really pissed off. Jonah Goldberg's been a columnist there for like 18 years now. And he was pissed about something that Jonah had written. And he's like, one of your guys oh, yeah, yeah, wrote yeah. that. Yeah, I've had I'm that like, too. Like Jonah yeah. Goldberg. I mean, actually, Jonah over the years is more becoming one of my guys, whatever that yeah, might yeah, mean. Yeah, sure. uh, but like it just if you were not in this position, then obviously you must like all of those people. Final word. I'll make this and you, you can pivot. Uh, Go for it. Yeah. Is that I wonder if the kind of a uh, uh, hard, like untethered reaction, I, I think by some of the people who are claiming that uh, uh, Kamala is a cop is an actual racist <laughs> terminology as was bandied about in the spectator. Like what? Um, I, I wonder if some of that is from those people realizing that they don't have power mm-hmm. and that's it. And, and you're not going to have many opportunities anymore, perhaps in the democratic race to uh, demonstrate that these things that people have been talking about so much over the last three or four years don't have votes. Uh, you're just not going to really have it. Cory Booker a little bit, but Cory Booker also not. Um, so like with the woke primary being over, I can see people kind of overreacting and trying to throw a big uh, hissy fit. This is a theory, not a, a statement of fact, uh, because that's just not going to be a huge part of things going forward, regardless of what you think about, the individual statements of Mayor Pete, of Bernie Sanders, of Elizabeth Warren about issues that overlap with that woke culture for none of them. Is it their primary thing? And the uh, candidates who have been cashiered out one by one, they kind of tried to, depending on the day of the week, tried to make it their primary thing. None of it worked. So we should talk impeachment stuff. What? Try to talk impeachment stuff. Try it what, again. what language is that? Just talking about those. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk impeachment stuff, right? Didn't we already talk about impeachment stuff? No. <laughs> Man, this one's, this we one's moving it. real slow. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Again, really selling it. Yeah. Um, so the NATO president was involved in some meetings, a lot of these meetings with foreign leaders, which were unusually testy, according to reports, um, despite the fact that they did uh, manage to find some things that they could agree on. And the president actually said some nice things about NATO. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, why did he say that? Pretty much. Pretty because much. Emmanuel Macron was was uh, giving NATO a hard time. And he had been having a very contentious meeting with Macron. So, mm-hmm. and by the way, full credit to Macron, who's not a leader that I like in uh, policy-wise, mm-hmm. but was just like pushing back. And he was like, it was basically like what nobody does because they want to be diplomatic mm-hmm. and they're on the international stage and that's how you're trained to be in a European country. And Macron abandoned that because it's only one person on that stage who's being diplomatic typically. And uh, he, he swung back pretty hard. And so then Trump was like defending NATO. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really which cool. is a pretty interesting play. Go on. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, all of all of this is happening against the backdrop of the impeachment stuff back at home and the Trump administration wonders and the president sort of complained about this aloud. The fact that the Democrats were still pursuing this impeachment, scheduling these hearings for while he was out of the country, which from his his point of view is unpatriotic, uh, which I suspect is probably just the way he describes almost anything that he doesn't like that is happening to him. Matt, I know you had some thoughts on the NATO stuff. I don't know if it's if it's something you want to inject at this point before I, we talk about the broader I do shape actually of the impeachment proceedings because this might be of of the most uh, interest to myself uh but um I found myself in the uh in the Macron exchange not just him with Trump and mm-hmm. and you know sitting stiff backed next to him saying come on stop it let's be serious here as an adults while the cameras are, are whirring on a press conference, but also the um, captured footage of Macron and Pierre Trudeau, or not Pierre Trudeau, mm-hmm. whatever his fucking name, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> wow, they're all the, they're all like fucking Margaret Jacket. Trudeau. The city of fifty four, and Boris Johnson, which actually that's the thing that hurts, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. All getting together and saying like, "Can you believe that stupid fat bastard that we had to sit next to?" And yeah. uh, and uh, so that, and then the interview that Macron gave to the Economist. Uh, 10 days or so beforehand talking about how NATO, as we know, it is dead um, and or we can't. It's it's experiencing brain death as right now because yeah. Americans are not there with us. This combination plus on a very personal or a personal level uh, with me when I, this past week, I was uh, this week I've been in uh, Washington with uh, Daniel Hannon, who's a British uh, MP in the European Parliament, which is a. a body that has no power uh, mm-hmm. but he was one of the leading uh uh pro brexit yes. guys there and i've written skeptically about uh hannon's um uh, uh enthusiasm for brexit and his belief because he's a very committed libertarian describes himself uh-huh, this way uh-huh. and his he has a sort of like sovereignty approach towards we need to leave the european union and then we're going to get some like free trade deals and all this mm-hmm. and so i might be uh, uh unjustly or unduly uh, colored by wow. his portrayal of the events the combination of all Phrasing those things like, well, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. um i suddenly had this kind of breakthrough of a feeling uh, a sense of release right uh, the about a couple of weeks after the election in 2016 i wrote a, a thing called the 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 neoliberal era is over and this wasn't a celebration from my point of view this was a, a, a lament and that neoliberal is now a stupid term that people use in the same way that they used to use neocon like anyone i don't like must be a this mm-hmm. uh but by which i meant the kind of seven decade multilateral march towards lower tariffs and integration among human beings um Broadly speaking, the West won, the East lost, capitalists won, communists lost. It was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wrote that then in a sense of of lamenting and not understanding what the future would, would hold. And then talking to this and seeing the way that Macron dealt with this in particular. And I, like Michael, I have very mixed feelings about him in, uh, in a lot of ways. But like when you let go. When you just realize and, and another thing about this um, uh, is that next week, by the time that many of you are listening to this, the WTO, will, the World Trade Organization will cease to exist as any kind of adjudicating body about trade. It's a small thing. No one's really paid attention to it. But seriously, the WTO is not going to exist. The thing that was created in like 1995 as being a place 
where you could adjudicate trade disputes mm-hmm. in a peaceable way mm-hmm. uh, in all these multilateral treaties that are very complicated and uh, and people would, would kind of go on with their businesses. It's not going to happen anymore, uh, uh, mostly because the Trump administration is is no longer approving uh, people who are being nominated as judges. So this goes away. There's just not going to be any, <laughs> any more uh, judgments against countries one way or the other. And my initial reaction, that was like, my God, this is another sign that the 90s are dead and it's terrible. And then it's like, no, just like that era, it actually is over. So then what comes next? Um, and I think it's, it's better to look at the world like that. Mm-hmm. Like whatever comes next and on, on, individual levels is likely going to be worse. However, the kind of uh, Davos project, the multilateral project, the European Union project, the Euro project, NATO, which, you know, how many times they go over there, you know, you have like a, a three or four anniversaries every year. Yeah. Like the only reason Donald Trump ever goes to Europe is for another goddamn yeah, anniversary. It's the 70th, 70th anniversary of NATO. It's this anniversary of D-Day. It's platitudes. Right. And there's at least two people in this room, probably three who like were raised in churches, but like two in Catholic churches. I go to a Catholic church now. No, not Catholic. It's complicated. But the priest uh, (laughs) always says, like, you say these these prayers every day. You don't pay attention to the words that describes the West. You're right. You go to the NATO summit. You don't give a shit about NATO. You don't think about the Article 2 requirements. What Macron did is said, I'm not sure America cares about the common defense about NATO members when they're attacked. And the thing is, he's right about that Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure America cares either. I'm certainly not sure that Donald Trump cares. I'm I'm sure they don't care. Uh, But I am sure that they need to talk about whether they care or they don't. Mm -hmm. Right? Like this sort of default laissez-faire almost, or just like, I'm not paying attention to how these things go is not going to cut it anymore. And I like the world that that created. And I am nostalgic for that world, but like somehow in this past week, in this process of this, like fucking let go of it and realize that all you got to do or all you can do is try to convince the assholes that you're tethered to, which in my case with the Americans or whatever, um, that they're wrong. Like Donald Trump is about everything having to do with trade or, you know, currency manipulation god knows what, he, what he's coming up with um and that certain things are important but it's not going to do to say i need to revive the wto mm-hmm. i need everyone to understand how great nato is and this kind of shit it's just that right. that world is over so i'm, I'm yeah. trying to understand why you say whatever comes next is going to be worse because it is what do you mean I mean that what happens when everyone goes into nationalist and mercantilist bunkers in all traditions of all life has been uh, more war, not less. Basically, that's what I mean. I, I mean that when you have when people the the natural condition of man throughout millennia is abject poverty and strife. There mm-hmm. was a thing that happened 200 and some odd years ago that is kind of this weird evolutionary offshoot. Wow, we thought that if we do it like this, it's going to work out great. And it did. It worked out great. But you have to check in with people, as we've mentioned here on on this podcast many times, you have to check in with people uh, on a democratic basis for this. Mm -hmm. And people are, are, you know, we evolved as a species because we listened to the person who thought they heard the saber-toothed tiger in the bushes, right? We evolved because we wanted tribal identity. We wanted to be a little bit scared about stuff. So it's, it's counterintuitive to say, you know what we need? 
it's a world trading organization to adjudicate disputes. <laughs> just, I mean, just on a, an, an even broader sense is that the difficulty that one has trying to explain to people the number of Indians, Vietnamese, Chinese that have been vaulted out of poverty because of things like trade. And trade is basically the driver of a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's not the whole thing, but it's, it's one of the biggest drivers. Bono thinks it's most of it, right? It, I mean, I think it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, but tr- trying to explain that to people, when I talk to people now, there's two, there's two sides, and they're both bananas, right? So Trump's trade war is catastrophic. It's having horrifying effects. But jobs numbers came out yesterday, right? And they, today, and they're phenomenal. Today, and they're phenomenal. They're great, right? So people cannot compartmentalize. They, they do only compartmentalize. They don't see this as part of a bigger picture where there's other things that, that it doesn't make, it doesn't tell you everything or even a lot about the state the, and the forward motion of the economy when you see these jobs numbers, particularly because, you know, and the president has almost nothing to do with this, but we'll take credit for it. And then we'll, it will be an orphan when it's, when it's bad, right? And we'll blame somebody else for it. But, you know, the trade stuff, when we, you know, talk about this in the special dispatch, I think, um, that we are now over um, what the auto ballots cost for the, for the bailouts of farmers. Twice as much. Twice as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and conservatives were outraged by that and are completely silent about it. Not only silent about it, but they're supporting because, you know, farmers are real Americans and, and they're lovely and, people. And, and the stuff. president is trying to sell the narrative that the receipts from the tariffs have been sufficient to cover the it's, costs it's, it's compl- of the subsidies. It's completely false. Yeah. It's, it's completely false. Because, I mean, it, it, it also, it also there's a bit of a seen and unseen problem. There yeah, there's a well. seen and unseen problem right. there. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it is it is a bigger kind of issue. And I mean, so the, the, uh, the two sides that you see, are these, the president's supporters who say, look, best job numbers ever, you know, unemployment, blah, 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 the longest period of growth, et cetera. Um, and then I talked to people on the other side and mm. I did this yesterday. Yeah. I was on the phone with somebody who is very much a Sanders supporter and it was a version of Donald Trump's inauguration speech. It was American carnage. Uh-huh. It was the rich are getting richer. The, I mean, this person was quite rich too. And the poor are getting poorer. <laughs> and that, that, that chasm is not narrowing. It's widening and it's going to destroy us all. And we're all going to fall into it eventually. Um, so, you know, on that sense, it's very, very difficult to get anybody to sit down I mean, why would we even need Hans Rosling, who a Swedish guy who died a couple of years ago, um, who did these series for BBC, which are unbelievably good. And it's him talking about human progress. And he's this old Swedish guy who talks like this and he's in front of a big board. And there's this animations going on about, you know, he did that um, Gapminder. Do you remember that website? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it, Google, I think, owned it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were supported it. Was it Google? I think it was. I don't it know. might have been Google. Uh, yeah, they may have supported it. May have, and, and, you know, it just had all these data points you could plug in. You could make animations over uh, about progress. And little balls would be different colors, would be different countries. And you would see certain countries go zipping up that way. And other ones flatlining is an incredible thing. And then he did a television show about it for BBC. And it's like the show should have been called Obviousness. Because it's like, oh, my God, these African countries are not growing. And these ones are growing. And, yeah, you need somebody to hold your hand and say, well, that's, you know, a product of things like trade. And every day, our interactions with this stuff. So today I went downstairs and there were three packages from Amazon of stuff that I bought on whatever Cyber Monday or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like a a portable battery, like an anchor uh, battery that I can charge my phone like nine times over and actually charge 
a laptop on, like like with the US. And I it's like, it, and it was like half price. And it was like 20 bucks or something. I charged my laptop on it. If you're in the middle of nowhere, it's incredible. And it was made in China. It was shipped here from China. It was not even assembled in the United States. And like that little thing, every day you have some small trade victory. And tr- trade is not something that makes the eyes glaze over. Right? Although Tucker Carlson, listening to you explain this now is, yeah, you got a great deal on that. And you got it at the low, low price of Main Street. They oh, hollowed out no, no, no. all of middle America in okay. order to give you these really cheap. Batteries. So, you know, and it's funny. This is one of these things that there's a unity on left and right now. Tonight on um, All Things Considered, the NPR show that drives me crazy every fucking day. But you can't I, stop. Listening. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like when like, you need know, the hot sauce, like it's, oh, it's hurts me and I just keep eating it. It's yeah, like, yeah. So it, and like, <laughs> tonight it was something about. That's more weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to use a different example and I just checked myself. Yeah, so that's good. That's probably, consider yourself like a sadist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, there was one about a, like a department store in Western Massachusetts. And it was this like, Oh, they, the, the, the town's it was closing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, because of, um, and it's like this, this tale of they got together and they prevented Walmart from coming into town. Mm. And it was like big victory. And then so um, continue to pay inflated well, prices to the mom and pop shop. Precisely. And lower quality, yes. not lower quality, yes. but at least less selection. Y- yes. And we'll and so everybody starts to shop online. And then well, that's it. Walmart, yeah, I say you, well, you be Walmart and, and then like, you know, yeah. these, the, you just, you just go online because block the internet now. Yeah. We have to block the internet because we can't have people doing this. And there was, this was like from a kind of lefty labor perspective mm-hmm. on NPR. And then the, the Tucker version is, is the righty populist kind of labor perspective too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, th- one of those narratives is easy to swallow and really easy to get a crowd riled up about. And it's the Tucker NPR one. The one that is hard is the seen and the unseen one is that, you know, to think through, what happens when people actually, you know, buy stuff online and the mom and pop store goes out of business? They don't stop existing, right? They don't, mom and pop, mom and pop do something else, right? This is the change. I mean, we don't, and, and this is the, the oldest, most boring argument in the book, but I, I to explaining this to people, somebody said on a Patreon said, hey, give us um, arguments. Remember this thing? The woman who said, yeah. uh, Give us like canned arguments for our Christmas dinner. Like and one of those is it seems like a base, basic thing is that, you know, when we were doing the trade piece for HBO, I would ask all these these f- farmers that were like, you know, upset about certain innovations or people that were upset about certain innovations and say, oh, I have to stop it. We have to stop this. We have to prevent it. We have to tax it and the rest of it. And they didn't realize that the world had, was a series of innovations right? that killed jobs. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there was like, oh, there's robots in here. It's like, so would you have gone back in time yeah. and banned the tractor? Because you just limited 10 jobs because those were 10 people tilling that field before there's a tractor. And they're like, well, no, because the tractor is great. And it's just part of life. And it's like, yeah, this is going to become part of life, too. And the whole like Trump's ideas on this, which unfortunately are, are balling up with people on the kind of Sanders left, too, is that there is a way to stop this. And there is a way of stopping the forward march of technological progress. And and Yang Gang. I mean, that's part of it, too. Right? I know. Right. And that's but, like the whole thing is just like I, there is a new form because you're talking about the old world of the that we all kind of miss and like WTO. And like, by the way, where are these people from Seattle? Are they not taking a victory lap at this point? Or by the way, they're some all some of them are. I they're think. all they're all lawyers now, probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would say the final thing is that that era of you know, the Cold War kind of stuff and this, these things, 
being the enemies and the rest of it. We just have this, I mean, this is changing in a different way. I mean, right now, I think that these are the sort of big ideological battles. It's not capitalism versus socialism. It is kind of micro issues within that. And that's what Bernie Sanders hmm. talks about. He's like, but, you know, he's like, I'm proud to say socialism. You know, I, yeah, okay, great. You say it now. People don't say that. You used to say it in the past. But still at the same time, you're not talking about workers controlling the means of production. You're not talking about the 18th Brumaire of Napoleon. You know, this is like the stuff when you see films of kids in the 1960s and they're all talking in this ideological way. Now it's just ringing these bells about, you know, the working man and what's happening to Main Street and what robots are doing. And, you know, you don't think that, that um, yeah, well, it might have 4% unemployment or 3.9% unemployment, but they're shit jobs and nobody wants those jobs. Well, here's the way that I can... And there's I some can, truth to some of this stuff I too, can, by the way. I can hand some of this to Camille, like your skepticism of me thinking that things are getting worse. Mm-hmm. I was I lived through a situation where everyone said things are going to get worse and maybe deadly. Mm-hmm. And it was the absolute opposite of that, which was the uh, dissolution of Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. which is a country that had, had existed from 1918 to 1992 and after the end of communism, um, just through a series of unfortunate events, they uh, or fortunate that they just kind of couldn't agree on things. And backdrop was Yugoslavia. People were killing each other. It was awful. And so there was a worry about that. But then there was a worry about chaos. My God, how are we going to deal with people like border and customs and different currencies? Nationalists over here and actually nationalists over there as well. And um Things were good. Things were bad. But like the worst case scenarios of all of 1992 did not actually come into play afterwards. In fact, Slovaks, for the first time in their largely miserable existence, and I say that with nothing but affection, um, (laughs) took responsibility for their own affairs. So they got to experiment with different modes of governance, different applications of ideology. And there were fits and starts and there are many things similar um, between Vladimir Mechiar and Donald Trump, which I won't bore people with today, but I will in the future. Um, but ultimately, people taking responsibility for their own affairs is a good thing, right? So my hope is, and this is why I, I'm not being so super negative about this kind of for the first time in almost three years, is that that's the future no matter what. Regardless of whatever I'm feeling nostalgic for, um, the future is people taking sovereignty for their own affairs Mm -hmm. against multilateral institutions, regardless of whether I like that and the outcomes that that will produce. Brexit will happen. Boris Johnson is going to be elected or not elected next week. We'll find out. He'll Mm -hmm. be elected, yeah. Um, But he'll probably be elected. (laughs) And if he's elected, they will do Brexit finally Mm -hmm. uh, because he'll have a majority in parliament. I think, you know, the euro, it's doomed, I think. I don't don't like to make big pronouncements, but Mm -hmm. drachma, mark, they don't belong together. They just don't like, like right. the, the, your, well, the, the project, the project was flawed. The project I mean, was there's, flawed. And there's, and there's something about the aspiration and the sort of market oriented free trade DNA that is supposed to, that is supposed to be championed by the WTO. But the reality is that I think those institutions, they can become ossified mm. and no longer serve their purpose. And that even, the NATO alliance that is supposed to serve as uh, a balance to the Soviet Union. Perhaps you need a different sort of alliance in order to 
serve as a counterbalance to the very clearly defined partnership that has emerged between the likes of Russia, Iran, and China. And Turkey, too, is a member of NATO. And it's, it's sure, shouldn't. you know, I mean, it shouldn't be. And the thing about these institutions and, and defense of NATO used to be this thing that there was always these the people who I thought were cranks on, on the fringes of both sides who hated NATO. And the, the problem was not that NATO was a flawless institution or it was necessary in 2015, 16, 17. It was that their arguments were wrong mm. and they are hating it for all, all the wrong reasons. And there's an evolution of that that, that I, I can see. And also, you know, I mean, keeping in mind that people that are, are classical liberals, which is in the U.S. now something that's been destroyed by, by stupid people who don't quite understand it. <laughs> but it's like that's what that's what like, you know, there's a liberal party. Mm-hmm. In and 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 in Germany, mm-hmm. um, which is which you know um, is a what do you call it? It's a, not a libertarian party, but it's like a free market party, basically uh-huh. uh, center right party. And those people in Europe, with the exception of the UK, were when I lived there, all very pro EU. Mm-hmm. Remember one guy who ran a think tank? I remember running into him and and he had an EU pin on, mm-hmm. and it was like because they we don't want these barriers up in such small spaces sure. that make trade so difficult. And then particularly, it also it also helped the sort of airline industry and right, all those right. little little kind of um, budget airlines. And when you have the Schengen Agreement and you don't have to check a passport, and then all of a sudden, what happens is is that runs up against utopian policies like allowing everybody who has an asylum claim to come to Europe and then they get into a country and they freely travel everybody everywhere else. And you have countries that have small populations that are, that are, you know, basically allowing three to 400 people to go fight for Islamic state Mm -hmm. for 400 people, 300. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we like we, one, one person who's like a white nationalist militia or something does something insane and blows something up and shoots something up. And it's mm-hmm. like, we have an endless amount of stories about it and we should actually pay attention to that stuff, of course. But, you know, I mean, that was what it ultimately, it was the timing of that that made Brexit happen. It wasn't the fake campaign and, and, and the Brexit pro Brexit people did have this kind of bullshit thing about, about um, um, the national health service and, and money that was being paid, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been largely acknowledged by everybody involved in the campaign that it wasn't true. Um, but everyone talks about that. They focus on that, but it's like, really? I mean, most people were like the immigrants come in because of the European union and because we're part of this, this thing and they can just flee freely travel. And now we have Rotherham and now we have, you know, these parts of, of, of London and like, I mean, I'm not saying that these are true or not, but that was essentially the thing is that all these projects are looked at and were looked at the beginning in isolation. They were trade things. They were this like, yeah, but they overlap when you sort of become this unit, but are still sovereign countries. They become this place where like, if Sweden wants to let every person in, what happens? Well, they just walk across the border yeah. to go somewhere else. And they're like, the other people that don't want it. That's why you have the emergence of, of, of I mean, as Matt can tell you about uh, uh, Viktor Orban and Fidesz becoming this sort of very, very po- kind of hard right populist party. And also important to remember, too, is that this was a thing in the 90s. I've pointed this out before is that this is not a result of recent things, only recent kind of influx. In the 90s, there were runoff elections in France where National Front was winning or was, was pushing these things to runoffs. National Front is, you know, 
a, a populist right party that is now basically aligned with Putin and is that kind of it's like Donald Trump's perfect fever fever dream and Steve Bannon speaks at this spoke at their their like one of their mm-hmm. um, uh, rallies not not too long ago. And like that was happening in the nineties and it was like Algerian terrorists and like immigration and like, this has been going on for a while. And Orban was there in power beginning in the nineties too, yeah. as was Metjar. And I mean, Václav Klaus, I think should be seen in that continuum, which he hasn't been, but as a nationalist who ended well, he sort up of being, disappeared too now, hasn't he? He did, but he was, he loomed huge on the Czech Republic scene and he's very pro Putin. He's very anti-EU, very yeah. skeptical of NATO and multilateral institutions. I find him to be an absolute cock, but, uh, and I mean that in a bad way, not in a good way. Um, uh, but, but like he also represents a politics that's real. And, and that's the thing. Like you have to, you have to acknowledge that people, uh, don't like their decisions made elsewhere. It's just like that. The one thing I would add to your description, depiction of uh, NATO community, which I think is important is that yes, it's about mutual defense against a bad outsider, but as much, mm-hmm. probably. It's about let's have France, Germany, and England just not kill each other every 20 years. And that's an important thing. Um, it's also sure. it's also important to say, like, you should find different ways to come up with that. Uh, or, like, you should be able to do that without this superstructure that exists only in anniversary form. Sure. Um, it, you know, if there's going to be a robust alliance in which American firepower defends Estonia, which is something that I, unlike Thad Russell, defends, um, then you need American support for that. You need uh, support in Poland. You need support in France. You need support everywhere. And you have to make that case. They have been making forever the default case. Mm -hmm. And so in the era of like atomized um, reclamation projects of sovereignty, um, among people who usually come to power in that, who I do not like, um, you, you're just going to have to compete with those people on an ideas level and a political power level to say these things that I want, whether it's free trade or maybe let's not just like, uh, uh, you know, wink and nod when a European country gets swallowed by an aggressor, um, then you're going to have to make that case. But I think that in 2019, 2020 and going forward, it's folly to imagine that there's going to be so you're going to have a restoration towards the, the dream of the 90s. I think it's I mean, look, the one final point is and tie it back into American politics is that you, you had this great time in the 1990s where it was great in most places, except for, you know, Rwanda, Bosnia, et cetera. But you had a kind of peaceful time by and large. Right. And it was a prosperous time. and It was a post-Cold War time. And people like Francis Fukuyama whose book everyone kind of misreads, but it's still at the same time was like, this is the ideology that has won out. And I think that that's true. And people say, well, look, it's not true. It's like, no, no, no. it can still be true. And we can have these disruptions because people are going to always try to interrupt it. And we'll always, I think, end up, if we want to be prosperous, back at that same place. I don't think that it's, that it's um, crazy to say that, you know, the, the, the broad idea that liberal democracy is, is, the, is the thing that will work ultimately doesn't mean that we're not going to have interruptions in it um, by crazy people, because those crazy people will always prove we keep forgetting, for instance, with communist countries and, you know, socialist countries that this stuff doesn't work. And then we just have to be reminded once in a while with the, you know, the blood of unfortunate citizens that reminds people that this is actually what happened for the past 150 years. But the, the problem is that it is these moments rather than saying that this is something that is a pivot point 
in that everything is going to go to shit and the Fukuyamas of the world and the people that were positive about this stuff are totally wrong. I mean, of course, they were wrong about a lot. But I think that the, the kind of larger thing to pay attention to here is the overreaction that we think about with 9-11, right? We you know, Department of Homeland Security and then like, you know, black sites and everything goes crazy and we're just giving away our constitutional rights for, for in the name of security is that there's a version of that always there's always a version of that and we, the great manifestation of it right now is in england because we do have an election coming up and there was a debate i think tonight with uh, with boris johnson and jeremy corbyn and this is the reaction it is not boris johnson who's you know this funny kind of shambolic figure, but he's not a guy that would, in ordinary times, in John Major times, you'd think of as a prime minister, but he's been, he's landed there for a series of, of crazy events and people that couldn't get Brexit accomplished. But it's on the other side with something that's interesting is that Jeremy Corbyn, the fact that he exists is, makes everyone who is, you know, a Sanders type very excited and he's a thousand times more severe than Bernie Sanders would ever be. And he is going to lose this election in a rather remarkable way against a government that cannot get Brexit through and can get it. It can't whip its own party into line to support a version of Brexit that they've negotiated with Brussels. How many times now? 340 times that like, I mean, it's like an Italian government. It collapses every five minutes. <laughs> it's and, always 52 to 48, whatever it, it is. It's, it's yeah. I mean, that's essentially it. And, and, to get th this moment now is so crazy that the people who have seized this moment are people are, are the Corbynistas. And by the way, keep in mind, Jeremy Corbyn will not publicly really denounce Brexit because he's kind of pro Brexit. And that's why, which was the socialist position in the seventies. Of course. Yeah. And, it, and, and it, and it remains that way today amongst, you know, the people that, you know, the, that sell copies of the socialist worker. And, you know, so you have a kind of, um, those things have kind of merged because people have gone to these polls because we're in this supposed dark moment. But the dark moment is just going to produce, you know, I mean, imagine being as you should be so wounded as a Tory government right now. And you're allowing um, and, and labor because of the person that they're they have um, at the head of their party. They're allowing them to run to. I mean, this is a warning for Democrats in a way is that, you know, Trump is uniquely awful. And I believe that And the man is, you know, in an impeachment inquiry that will result in his impeachment in the house. And I believe people like judge Napolitano, that this is not something that I find odd or, you know, a constitutional crisis. I think it's probably the way one would expect it to go. Right. And the man will still might win. And the reason the man might win is because you're running boneheads <laughs> against him who are like, Let's see in the primary. No, we're going to tack back to the center. It's like, no, no, people remember that. The thing about Jeremy Corbyn is he's always been the same. He's always like, you know, wearing a keffiyeh and like, you know, like getting Hamas tattoos on his shoulder blade. I mean, the guy is just like been that way forever. But when when Ameri when American political candidates think that this has not happened ever before, this is our time. It's like tread very carefully. Because you're about to lose to somebody who is wildly unpopular and only unpopular with people in his party and is going to be impeached. And remember that the, the, the Nixon process, which never actually became a process because he resigned, and the Clinton process happened in their second term. They were not facing a reelection. And it's going to be pretty amazing when, even if it's close, and I'm like, why are you, you're trying to attack to the center with a guy who 
is calling guys fat. Apparently, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually watch the tape. Just doing push-ups, the corn pop. Well, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Like, I mean, this is what you got, and it's that, and then the guys uh, on the other side who were like, you know, let's collectivize the grain and shoot the kulaks. <laughs> Did I just fuck put everyone to sleep there? No, just no, I'm, just I'm, I'm, just the listen, host. You know what's weird about this? Like the fact is, like especially today, like. I came in with the game plan. It has been completely <laughs> destroyed. Um, and we're, we're just having a conversation and in conversations, there are natural points at which you stop and you're thinking about the thing that someone has just said. You're contemplating it because it's interesting. Um, and I'm actually actively thinking about, well, I mean, we could just keep talking about the Brexit shit, despite the fact that like none of us are like Brexit guys in the sense that this is like our beat and we cover it. I know there are thoughts around the room. It'd probably be a conversation that could be enriched by having like a Brexit guy or gal as the case may be, or someone who identifies in between since, you know, gender is a spectrum sure. and it's important to it's recognize fluid. that. Billy D. Williams um, will come in and talk about or, or we could just talk about the, the Irishman um, yeah. or we could talk about the impeachment. I want to talk bit. about the Irishman because I haven't <laughs> seen it. And so you want us to ruin it for you. Moynihan's mad about it. So it's just uh, a bunch yeah. of Irish guys. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't believe it. But, but, but it's fucking three hours long. Really is, but it really is the case that the, the impeachment has moved into another phase and we still haven't talked about it like here. There's today. not a lot to talk about, honestly. Yeah. I mean, cause the stuff that there is to talk to talk about, and that's why you have like Jonathan Turley and these guys uh -huh. is like legalistic and procedural. Right. And like, so you have a situation where you've got four academic scholars who come to, to serve as the, the witnesses uh, testifying before the house judiciary committee, yeah. because we've moved out of the phase where the Intel committee um, is doing their impeachment stuff. They've generated a report the Democrats have that conforms, I think, in a, in a less bombastic way um, than their most sort of strident uh, impeach the motherfucker arguments. It's, it's just a little, a little more toned down. I, I think it weighed in at something like 300 odd pages. I think there's a 20, 30 page executive summary. Um, I read the executive summary, not the, the whole of the you. 300 pages, and I sure as hell didn't chase down all of the footnotes. But I, I did enough to get a taste. Also um, perused the Republican pre-rebuttal because that actually dropped before the Democrats' uh, uh, um, report came out, which, Was again, is totally the, what you the expect. first sentence or the second <laughs> sentence? It's, it's all the things you expect. Um, <laughs> Nothing happened here uh, except if something did happen, it was a perfect call. Um, and, you know, if it wasn't a perfect call, but be at least, you know, they got the money. And if they didn't get the money, then, you know, well, I mean, it's not like there's anything wrong with this. It's totally fine for him to do. It's essentially, it's the kitchen sink defense. It's a circumstance where you try to introduce as much doubt as possible because from the standpoint of the defense, as with most any legal proceeding, the onus is on the prosecution to make the case um, and to do it convincingly. And considering that the polling numbers on impeachment simply have not moved in any sort of significant way, despite the fact that we have this report and Americans aren't reading this 300 page report. And quite frankly, it's just not clear to me what the core takeaway for anyone who has been paying attention, hasn't been paying attention to this is supposed to be from all this, besides the fact that the president did something bad. Um, and, Three of the four uh, attorneys or professors who were there, legal scholars uh, who were present, um, testified um, and didn't only give us some background on exactly how the impeachment process works. They were really strident in their their declarations that 
not only is this impeachable, like he ought to be impeached for this. Uh, I believe one of uh, the, the folks testifying said, if we can't impeach, if we do not impeach the president for this, if he can't be impeached for this, then nothing is impeachable, um, which sounds a bit it's, hyperbolic. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I think perhaps a little bit over the top, um, but all of that contrasted pretty sharply with Jonathan Turley, who was the sole person um, testifying there uh, essentially for the Republicans. Um, although he says pretty um, notably, it's the thing that I've probably, I think Turley has probably gotten most of the media coverage coming out of the, the houses, the judiciary committees, um, uh, hearings, um, but there are two things that really stood out to me. It's the fact that he opens and he says, you know, I'm, I am not a Republican. I voted for, uh, Barack Obama and I didn't vote for the president and I don't, I, I don't like him. Um, but I also don't think we ought to impeach him. And I think that's, that, that moment in and of itself is perhaps like a, a bit of a win for Republicans um, I don't know if you guys watched most of it. Actually, I do know. I know you, you didn't know watch that. any of it. Um, but I, I wonder what – 15 minutes. Fisher, Fisher watched all of it. But I wonder what your perspectives are on the the hearing thus far. Um, it's not at all clear yet what the rest of the, the, the House Judiciary's process is going to be. I mean it's one fucking day and yeah. then it's – Nancy Pelosi comes out and says that God makes her want to – Impeach the president. Yeah. And so there we are. Yeah. Uh, which is actually she's very, of, she was very somber, which is kind of fine. Um, I'm not answering your question because I obviously watched like 10 minutes of it mm-hmm. uh, while eating lunch. Uh, and I saw some of Turley. Um, but uh, like there isn't new information. There wasn't going to be new information given by the law professors. I agree with, I think Jonathan Adler pointed out uh, from the Volk conspiracy that there was an error on the Democrat side to why wouldn't you bring like libertarian law professors at this moment? Why wouldn't you bring people who have some name recognition and credibility? You you mentioned how Jonathan Turley didn't vote for Donald Trump. Great. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of legal scholars out there who um, may have either voted for Donald Trump or who have voted Republican their entire lives mm-hmm. Uh, and who find his actions here abhorrent and find that um, that this should be impeached. And they they blew that opportunity um, for sure. Uh, it's there's nothing much left to say. Right. Like the fact witnesses. And the, there's a I was on Kennedy. Yeah, not until anybody comes to testify. Not until the stash shows up. Yes. The stash shows up. Then we've got something else. Yeah. You want, you want Bolton. You want Mulvaney. Want oh, Mulvaney. my God. Yeah. 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 And so like there's nothing. I wanted you to say that like like Rowdy Roddy Piper or something like I want you. Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> Mulvaney. It's kind of shocking that Bolton hasn't done that already. <laughs> well, he had a little moment there where he was like fucking with everybody on Twitter. Uh-huh. And then he was like Bolt Pack or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was a disappointment. Yeah. That was a real letdown. That was a troll. Uh, no, I, like, I, I like, think you probably also want McGann. Um, McGann, for and, sure. And McGann, McGann, McGann might even be likely. The, the guy. To the extent you're trying to hang the impeachment on any of the stuff that's in the Mueller report, the, the thing Which you that is, that's perhaps the most damning there in terms of charges that are straightforward. You want to go for like obstruction of justice or something. The, the, president, the president ordering his guy to fire the dude who's investigating him and then 
essentially directing him to cover up the fact that I ordered it, like lie about it. That's pretty damning. Um, but again, it's like it's like the Ukraine thing in itself. The facts at this point are known. I mean, Nancy Pelosi perhaps overstated it when she said the facts are not contestable. Mm-hmm. Of course, everything's contestable. Sure. But like the broad outline of this thing is obvious. The president obviously tried to shape, bend the ship of state, the stuff that he has control over mm-hmm. in a way that it was improper to try to benefit himself politically. It's I mean, I don't know how you would not conclude that. But that but this is but this is precisely what Turley did not conclude. Like Turley's defense of the president is, well look, I mean, we're still sort of filling in some blanks. There's some assumptions that are happening here. I mean, we're speculating about the president's motive. No one has yet testified the president told me explicitly that he wants so, this so- investigation for personal gain as opposed to he wants this investigation because he believes there was genuine wrongdoing mm-hmm. at the Obama administration. Sure. Overlooked said wrongdoing and this ought to be investigated. Yeah. And the defense that Turley, the defense that Turley that. offered also included the, the qualification that, look, it's not as if no one else had been asking questions right. about Biden so and his son. Let's cut to the like quick of this. Major American newspapers had done it. Camille. Yeah. yeah one. Politico. It's, no, it's actually not, not one, one. It's one, more than like one. Like Ken the Vogel, New York, the New York the, Times also had, had, let's get the betting markets here. But at any rate, but let's get on. the betting markets on this question real quick. Yeah. Um, so if uh, a traditional bet is something to one. Uh-huh. So if you, Camille Foster are yeah, betting yeah. Uh, something to one, I'll take the one. Uh-huh. You got to, you got to fill in the blank with what the number is of did given your reading of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the facts will eventually show that the president improperly used power to benefit himself out of a personal interest and out of a personal gain? Uh, what's what's your number on the top of that? What, what where are we going to take that bet? Because we're going to we're going to bet this. As, shit as out. I said before, as I said before, I'm, and I'm still here, if I were asked to vote on impeachment, Based on the president's conduct, changing question. I kind of have to. Um, I I would would still vote. I would still vote in favor of the impeachment. Like I, I but I want a number. I actually want a number. Done is is sort of sufficiently bad to warrant it, and does seem to meet the definition of bribery in this particular context. Really? Oh, wow. It, it, it's, it does. To wow. Me, right. That's, that's but, farther but that, than me. But that's, to, but that being said, I'm, I'm like, I'm filling in some, some blanks here. Like I'm making some assumptions and right. it's entirely possible. And, and the question that continues to, to play back in my mind is one that I've posed to you guys before. Like, does it, how much does it matter if the president genuinely believed that Joe Biden had done something bad? And that it was worth investigating and looking into. If he if he actually thinks as much and he wasn't ever planning to hold up the money for Ukraine and, and if he but, didn't get yeah. what he wanted, like does does that matter? The 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 question about his state of mind is actually legitimate and Especially the fact because that because the crime didn't get committed and i, right? and I think the allegation yeah. with respect to turley that's been made over and over again by pretty much everyone is that he's a hypocrite because he was in favor of the clinton impeachment and he asked questions about this but i do think there's a material difference here with the clinton impeachment the fact is that the president did explicitly lie under oath 
and there was no defending it. This wasn't a matter of sort of a circumstantial case that was being made and presumptions about things. He lied and he explicit and there was evidence that he directed other people to lie under oath, which is totally important. And also totally impeachable. And it's 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 explicit. And in this particular case, we we are assuming some things and the actual smoking gun, like the actual document that Trump hands to uh, Giuliani or or hands to someone else to hand to Giuliani. Like we don't we don't have that thing. And it seems to me that there's at least a possible universe in which the president really believed that something bad was going to happen and that the whatever I mean, holding he's, up he, of the money was just kind of it was just so I'm hearing, kind of hell. I'm hearing two to one. He's just stupid enough to think that. But I mean, it is it's an interesting yeah. thing. To, you have to remember this is that maybe he thought something bad was happening. Uh-huh. Maybe he thought that, you know, we should investigate this. What are we talking about, though? What are we talking about investigating the fact that, you know, Hunter Biden is a bit of a rat bag and his father <laughs> uh, just sort of turned, turned a blind eye? Well, he didn't do anything illegal, so you can't do anything like that. It's about Victor Shokin and it's about the, the prosecutor and actually looking into Burisma. Mm-hmm. Any, it's clearly you're either the dumbest man alive, which is, of course... Very I mean, likely, right? Um, <laughs> or you're ignoring all the available evidence that the attacks on Victor Shokin, uh-huh. which came from the European Union, for everybody under the sun was like, this man has to go. He is a bad dude. And this was like uniformly believed. And this was not something that was like, oh, it had to have been Joe Biden that did this. I mean, all you had to do is open a newspaper, Google Victor Shokin's name and put a, some time in there, like do a time cutoff of like before all this stuff happened. And you will see lots of articles in very mainstream newspapers all across Europe. And, you know, even the New York Times had a thing about about the desperation to get rid of this guy. And it had nothing to do with Joe Biden. I mean, good but that's God. just but that's just it. Seriously, like if there was anyone who could genuinely believe that however this wrong a conclusion it is thing. like Donald Trump is totally that guy and it's and it's a Mr. Magoo defense yeah but no you can't go in front of the judge and say I didn't know it was illegal it's like well it well, is actually you totally can you can and you're this, gonna win though. and in this particular case Maybe considering this is a political this is Who's a the judge political well, proceedings exactly. and it's not a function yeah. of whether or not any particular crime was committed here do they think it's bad enough to so, so think, actually throw so him out So think of about this. This, two, this is a second version of an earlier thing that people said about Donald Trump, his people that supported him uh, during the primary, particularly during the actual campaign, uh, Republicans, they were operating on the hope that, the, that he didn't believe the things that he said. And that's an amazing thing. You're like, you usually accuse... Elizabeth Warren of like, she's actually a secret right winger. She's actually, she's a federal society <laughs> member. She's actually doesn't believe this. She changes her mind on this. Republicans were lining up and telling everybody who would listen, like, no, 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 we're, we, we don't think he believes it. We don't, we think he's lying. That's great. Right. And this is the defense now for, for impeachment. We're hoping that he's so unbelievably cripplingly stupid <laughs> that he actually had a good heart um, because he was so like sort of disoriented by the facts of the matter. I mean, so he's like, start, just that's, investigate. That's kind of where Trump. we are. I mean, the, the, the fact that the fact is that Turley, you don't have to investigate Joe Biden. Just let him talk. But if you, but if you listen, <laughs> it's so stupid. Don't put your presidency on the line. Put him in, put him in a corn pop this is, forum. I mean, yes. Have him talk to a fat guy in New Hampshire. Absolutely. He's like, what's up, chubs? Absolutely. It's like, you don't need Ukraine. Yeah. 
It is what's so bizarre is the upshot of the Turley defense. The sole person that Republicans had making the case for them is look, I mean, maybe there's some there there. Yeah. But you probably need to the, the maturation of the case, like we're we're not there yet. You need to interview a few more people and you'll maybe have everything you need. But as it is right now, that is the Republican defense. But but, but as it is right now, it's pretty insane. It's pretty insane. But as it is right now, and unless further people come forward, unless a tranche of documents are found, you know, under a bridge outside Donetsk or something, it with the evidence we have right now, all of this is academic. It doesn't matter. We know how this ends, right? We know exactly how this ends. Nobody's bent one inch on this Republican or Democrat. Well, one, well, well we down one Democrat we knew who's going for re-election and lives in a Trumpy district. Okay. But beyond that, we know exactly what's going to happen. So the legal arguments about this are moot because it, of course, as you know, everyone's so bored of hearing, it is a political process and a legal process. Yes, 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 <laughs> of course. But this is going to be on party lines. And although, no although one Chris Murphy claims that he spoke to Republican senators. You can count them on one hand yeah. and you won't name names, yeah. which could mean that it's just Mitt Romney yeah. who are, are con- contemplating voting in favor. I can count it on this hand. <laughs> I have my one finger up. Here's how I'll, I will agree, but also complicate uh, what you say, uh, Moynihan, which is that, yes, that's that's the best predictive bet for sure. Um, however, there's a much greater likelihood that a Senate trial will include Testimony from John Bolton, testimony from principals more like Mick Mulvaney. And that will change the way that we think. Judge about Knapp this. says that there's going to be testimony from Donald Trump himself. Judge, Judge Knapp. It is totally ridiculous. A bit. Judge Knapp, totally by the way, ridiculous. I think he went to the dentist. Although today Donald Trump is also gas. Or Donald Trump is also like saying that he mind. will do I don't know it. What the hell oh, really? I don't know. There's something. Yeah, high pitched voice. Maybe he had his ketamine treatment today or something. But he was like, that's not, that's crazy talk. We have to get him in here. We have to get him in here. Actually, yes. No, it's not true. I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, you got to be part of the concept. So no one believes Donald Trump when he says, he wants he wants this um there to be a oh trial my and he looks God forward to testifying. No, 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 no. I, I, I think I totally believe to your that he point wants to be the a trial. trial. But, yeah. yeah, but to your point is that it's it's the it's the stupidity defense. Like everyone around him's like, oh my God. Is he the only person alive who doesn't realize he's a loose cannon in front of everybody? And like in front of like, if you put it, that's why he doesn't do interviews. Giuliani. Like to any, yeah. yeah, well, Giuliani too. With anyone anymore, he used to do the occasional, you know, Chuck Todd and then Morning Joe and whatever. But like now it's like he'll do like a Fox one and that's it because because people there know what happens if Donald Trump's challenged by anybody. And even they get the thousand yard stare when he starts going off. Oh yeah. And just like, oh my God. But like the, the, the thing about like, um, uh, uh, Chris Murphy and these things like, well, what happens in the central? Like, yeah, we might have testimony and everything, but we have to remember what we all think about politicians at the same time and realize that no matter how much evidence is marshaled, they're not looking at evidence. The people who will actually buck their party are people who are not up for reelection yeah, yeah. or people who are like Mitt Romney, who have been so personally aggrieved by the president <laughs> and like literally humiliated, humiliated by him. Hates him with hates every him with, fiber of his with being. With a white hot Mormon passion. <laughs> hates him so much. Tears off the special underwear, punches a glass. He's like, fuck you. Everyone's just like, oh my God, Mitt, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go buy beer in a different state <laughs> and drink one of them because I'm so mad. Like, right. Mike, Mike Lee, I'll try to <laughs> yeah, calm him down. Yeah. Calm down, man. He's like, no, get your hands off me, Lee. 
It's like, it's like uh, but beyond that, like all we know what we think about politicians. We know what they do, particularly in the Senate. I mean, the House is like half these guys in the House. Nobody even knows who they are. I mean, half the district. But like Will Hurd didn't move in the yeah. in the uh, in the yeah. committee, right? Yeah. Yep. He's a guy who who is a border state guy who's opposed Trump, opposed to a lot of his border. Uh, wall uh, kind of uh, land seizures and this kind of uh, thing. And during the process, there were moments when it seemed like in his questioning that he was easing up towards it and then he would back away. And he's a guy who's announced his retirement. He's got nothing to lose. He's young and uh, and he won't go there either. So it's it, it's not... Well, maybe politicians respond to incentives. Yeah. It's it, like it's the eternal yeah. surprise. Yeah, no, they do. But I mean, they don't they don't respond to principle. And that's the thing that is... The most, like, you know, when you see, you meet these kids in DC, which I did re- recently, and they were like, you know, kind of, you know, like interns, and they're like excited about like, the, and I'm like, when is it all going to be shattered? Is it like this week or next week? Because like, <laughs> you're like, I mean, it's like the kids are coming to like ideological think tanks, and like, I have these beliefs. I got really into Reagan in high school. I'm like, okay, you know who's not into Reagan? Everybody, including the Reagan family in the Reagan Library. Like nobody, they don't even care. They like don't even. They literally. They're oh like, who? God. Don Regan? I'm like, no, he was the chief. Of, no, forget it. Uh, but like, it is like that is a shattering of people's dreams in DC when you see this stuff. And 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 the funny thing about it is, it creates. If you if everybody acknowledged this, right, you wouldn't have opinion journalism because we, people are arguing on principle. We do it here too. You're like. I cannot believe these Republicans. It's like, no, believe it. They don't believe in anything. We shouldn't believe in anything either. It's like, it's like, you know, what is it in, in Big Lebowski? They don't believe in anything, man. They're nihilists. It's like, that's what I look at when I look at Congress. They don't, these guys don't believe in anything. And then the one person who, if you asked me four years ago, b- believes something, actually has some beliefs. And I, I'm like, okay, I, I could, yeah, let me, let me think about it. I, I got one person and he, he abandoned the party. And voted yeah. with Democrats, Justin Amash mm-hmm. of, of Michigan. It's like yeah. the one person I actually had some belief that this man actually has principles and he's there because he has principles and they would never be co-opted is that he just decided that he had to leave the party or people like Jeff Flake, who, you know, is not as rock ribbed as, as Amash is, but he pissed off too. He's like, you know, and, and went out swinging. There's so. two more things related to impeachment that, that I'd love to raise with you guys. One is representative Buck. The gentleman yields back, Mr. Buck. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Professor Turley, I want to direct these first few questions to you. Uh, the other three witnesses have identified this amorphous standard uh, for impeaching a president. They, they've said that if a president abuses his power for personal or political gain, it's impeachable conduct. So uh, let, me, let me go with a few examples and see if you agree with me. Uh, Lyndon Johnson directed the Central Intelligence Agency to place a spy in Barry Goldwater's campaign. That spy got advanced copies of speeches and other strategy, delivered that to the Johnson campaign. Would that be impeachable conduct, according to the uh, other uh, panelists? Oh, well, it sweeps pretty broadly, so I assume so. How about when uh, uh, President Johnson uh, put a wiretap on uh, uh, Goldwater's campaign plane? Would that be for political benefit? Well, I can't exclude anything under that definition. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a few other presidents. We'll, we'll see where we go. Uh, Congressman Deutsch just uh, informed us that uh, FDR put country first. Now, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, when he was president, directed the IRS to conduct audits of his political enemies, namely uh, Huey Long, William Randolph Hearst, 
Hamilton Fish, Father Coughlin. Would that be an abuse of power for political benefit, according to the other panelists? Would that be impeachable conduct? I think it all would be subsumed into it. How about when President Kennedy directed his brother, Robert Kennedy, to deport one of his mistresses as an East German spy? Would that qualify as uh, impeachable conduct? Once again, I can't exclude it. And how about when he uh, directed the FBI to use wiretaps on congressional staffers who opposed his, him politically? Would that be impeachable conduct? But what is the Brother, argument? Because it's happened so much, we make well, it legal now? Well, no, the argument is, is there any president who wouldn't have been potentially subject yes that means we should try harder i mean <laughs> what is wrong with these people my, but where but i want to go with this i love i love that that is the defense at this stage yeah that's it like, yeah, that's they, all you're they got away with, with Look, it everybody yeah. does bad yeah. things but yeah. i think it's never impeached that's like, a, it's like if al cowlings killed somebody he's like dude oj he did it <laughs> what the, no, and he's got off nobody cares about him my question for you camille is okay so i'm going to happily impeach uh, probably Reagan for Iran Contra. Uh-huh. That, uh, totally. I mm-hmm. will impeach Nixon. That's not. That's not very hard. Um, I'm pro Iran Contra. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> fucking neocon. Never. Never. No, that's, not neo, that's not a neocon. Position. No, 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 not at all. No. Uh, the John Bolton position. Definitely. Uh, definitely LBJ and Kennedy without mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, you would have left Nixon alone, though. No, no, I, I had Nixon. I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, he's. I mean, he's already impeached, though. So, you know. Uh, right. So my question to you, Camille, is uh-huh. like you're like uh, I impeach everybody. Yeah. What do you impeach Barack Obama and George W. Bush for specifically? I mean, what don't I impeach? No, them no, for? no. What do you? What do you? What I is? Think, what is the thing? I think the contrived evidence for the war is sufficient for the Bush administration. But he has a pretty solid defense on that, by the way. Does he? Yeah. I mean, the d- defense being that... that is this a French goodbye? I feel like well, it's French no, no. I, it's, the defense is that the, the intelligence was the same intelligence that the BND, the German intelligence agency, had the French uh-huh. intelligence. So it was like bad intelligence. And I, I don't... There's some... I'm sympathetic. There was was a willful ignorance, I think, on the part of the administration, a willingness to cast as broad a net as possible to bring in. I think that's absolutely right. Well, that's 100 percent true. And that's what you you do when you sell something. So the question if the question for me is just like, like, what would you impeach them for? And the standard is high crimes and misdemeanors. Did they know it was wrong? As far as I'm concerned, I think that's enough. To yeah. pursue a war on the basis of evidence that you know well, that, to that's be it. highly that's questionable, I, I know that's they, enough. Did they know? I'll it was impeach highly, the fuck out of you. That's that's did the question. They, they, knew that the, they knew that the evidence that they were raising was dubious. Undoubtedly, elements of it for sure. Yes, I, that's that is the point. But that's also, it. but also, so, there are, there are people that believe, like for instance, the uh-huh. like the totally crazy uh, Saddam connection. To there's there's an a, hi Stephen Hayes yeah I know that was that, gonna say well yeah. you know it's funny because, because <laughs> I know the guy who wrote the book on that because there is I mean <laughs> there are like people that have the same name that they uh, fucked up there's like there's things yeah yeah and, I, and like there's actually like I think I don't think that a person for instance who wrote that book. I don't think they thought that they yeah. were wrong. I, I think, think they gr- gross, it. gross negligence, so far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that I, I'd say that goes under the high crimes and misdemeanors. But, okay, but no, but it's it's no, it's, it's, it, 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 it's this is a, this is a, this is a, a f- usefully fungible 
category of bad acts. Yeah. So I can. So your diligence was not. Your diligence was not due. You knew that you were creating intelligent silos. Uh-huh. You knew that you were maybe like you know fudging this, fudging that. Right. You you might not have known that what you were peddling was false. Sure. Um, I mean, and you just and, asked me for one thing. We could yeah, go after yeah. them for the torture shit. Yeah, I too. guess. But I guess here's the question, though: sure, sure, is sure. that is it because of the human? And, and I think this is a, a perfectly logical. If you say yes to this, is it because of the human cost and the financial cost and the global instability that Iraq caused that it becomes more impeachable? Because if you look at every single thing that an administration pushes out. If it's a new healthcare policy that it's hugely expensive and will disrupt things, they're fudging they every figure. They're fudging yeah. every, they're lying all the time. Right. And it's like, is lying itself is like, you know, codified in the constitution. I mean, lying is not one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Br- bribery of course is, and you know, a form of lying, but, but slightly different, but you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think that's a. It's not like a, a gotcha question. I think that's it's something to really consider because I yeah. think that is a more significant lie for sure. Well, I think if you are actually lying, and yeah. again, that's obviously what would have to be established because I do believe that there are people in that administration, the, the Bush administration, that knew they were playing fast and loose with certain uh-huh. things. I like. I think there's a certain amount of the what you say would be the Trump defense with the president. Um, and Bush, run, run, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. and and the informa- information that's um, being sort of you're managing up to him, uh-huh. and the the all the intelligence agencies are telling the same thing too. Right. So um, you would impeach Cheney, but it's still <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think still, that's that's. Uh, out of the gate, but, yeah. But I'm, but now, after day one, <laughs> drinking and hunting with him. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get shot in the face. It's like maybe you get impeached for shooting guys in the face. But now I'm thinking about something that else that Turley said, which is that we are dangerously close to a standard for impeachment that isn't much different than sort of a vote of no confidence. Which I don't think it's true. I, one, it could be if it's true. I don't know that I have a problem with that. <laughs> I think I'm fucking fine with no, that. I, know. Yeah. I don't I don't think that actually endangers the republic. Yeah. Like for there to be this constant ongoing process of of checking the guy out and say, "Hey, do we still like this bastard? But Is this asshole still doing the job? You know, Is he you, still getting it done?" You could make a point. I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure. But you can make a pretty get him the fuck out of there. But beyond like you know the Camille to burn it all down, you can make a, a version of that argument that is just like almost every parliamentary system in the world, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you have people that like hung parliaments, no confidence votes, dissolving parliaments. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have people that are in power for very short periods of time. So uh-huh. the heads of parties, you'd vote for the party itself. You know, I mean, it's different where where you go, but like that kind of thing, like impeachment is a very pungent word in the American political lexicon. But if you renamed it and, and did it like <laughs> Europeans did, you'd have people coming and going all the time. I mean, how many people have who have been, have run Italy in the past 50 yeah. years? Sure. More than 50. Sure. Than 50. You know, and it's like there are a lot. They come and they go and like you don't have. Come. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that it's as destabilizing as people tend to. I mean, they, they tend to say that when it's their own party and boss in power so you know well could you do this with with lbj and jfk i'm like yeah maybe if you did this every five minutes people stopped acting like assholes maybe that's a, a, a kind of way of, of framing it so what's your uh, what's your obama impeachment argument 
I, I think there's broader categories of stuff oh, that I would have to go after. He's talking around this one, isn't he? Sure is. yeah, no, yeah. I, I think going after journalists is, is certainly one of those things. I think sustaining. Like surveilling 200 AP journalists uh-huh. or locking up people for whistleblowing or what was the yeah. exact thing? Okay. Both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think sustaining the, sustaining the, the a, mass a, surveillance program is certainly a part of it. I think. Ah, but that's. Oh, so the 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 Snowden we don't know about it uh-huh. program. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a pretty good start. Okay, no, like is is I mean, is pursuant to, Sarah, to our, is fudging the numbers on the drone death? No, not for me. Uh, so, no. like, my, I'm much more convinced of the Bush one. You make a very good Bush case. <laughs> well, I think my, the case yeah. the case against Bush is probably a hell of a lot easier to make. Yeah, I I, I wonder. I think in terms of effects, mm-hmm. but uh, I th- I think with the Bush. Uh, you would have to um, indict the creation of intelligence <laughs> silos mm-hmm. and also find someone near the top. It's mm-hmm. not going to be Bush, but it would have to be Cheney pretty much um, who knew X and sold Y. But I would still go for the the top guy for gross incompetence. Yeah. I mean, look, point. it's a totally it's fair, okay. it's yeah, a totally okay. fair argument. Mm-hmm. And it's also fair for people to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I land much more on your side of that gross incompetence you your responsibility is to is to figure out if you're being told mm-hmm. the truth hard thing to do and oftentimes but if you're being sold a bill of goods because i can see the argument of people saying like well you know you had a series of lawyers the john Hughes of the world coming in and saying everything that you're seeing here as it as it pertains to torture or black sites or or detention without trial and everything is legal and I'm going to show you the legal thing. And of course, obviously they want that to be true. So they believe the person that's telling them the thing they want to be true. I mean, that's just going to happen. But, but I, I'm obviously much more on your side that like you're, you're responsible for that. I mean, you yeah. do have guys, the Jack Goldsmiths and people that are working within that saying, hang on, pump the brakes here. There are a lot of people within those administrations. And, you know, you didn't deep have state. a... You didn't... Hashtag. Yeah. You didn't have a ton of... Well, there was no deep state when it was, when mm-hmm. it was uh, Bush. There were, there was heroic whistleblowers. Um, but you don't have a lot of that with the o- Obama administration. I mean, the... the no, it's, it was, I think, very different. But, but one yeah, wonders, I wonder why one wonders yeah. if you couldn't if you couldn't say... Like, if I was to, to broaden the categories a bit and say, well, fine, like, how about TARP bailouts? Like is no. giving money no. to to private companies like something that's no. no is it can it be construed as unconstitutional no what I like, want there, there might be an argument there what if I that's want the case like is that enough this no is, this is no, what we talked make, about before no. like the like again for me bad, bad it's enough yeah, bad, policies bad policies yeah. and and even murderously bad policies mm-hmm. are a category but then. But it's but bending, I'm saying unconstitutional, not merely bad policy. But Camille, there's everyone, a, there's, there's a mechanism for judging unconstitutional, uh-huh. and you and I agree yeah. about how bad that mechanism works. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. like they, 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 Kilo versus New London was declared, you know, constitutional Incredible, to take yeah. a private uh, taking of somebody's yeah. place to make a profit for the local city. That's horrifying to me. That's constitutional. Yeah, That's right. what that means right now. Sadly, until it doesn't mean that anymore. But, but it's also it's like being a media lawyer. I, media lawyers are funny because this, you always can tell in a media organization what kind of lawyer you have. Yeah. And you want the one that tells you how far you can go. And not the one who tells you, like, let's be super careful. And often you get the super careful one. You want the guy who's like, fuck it, let's try it, let's push it, and we'll see if they sue. If we sue, we're ready to go. Like, there's the same thing with with its TARP bailouts or laws. It's like, you have that apparatus of, like, this is what I want done. And your lawyers are telling you how, like, 
is this constitutional? It's like, I don't know. Let's try it. Let's, well, we think it is. And we think on this, this if this stuff wasn't mysterious, we wouldn't have constitutional lawyers. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have people to teach constitutional law. There's a lot of gray areas about this. And that's why courts exist to adjudicate this stuff and tell you what's right and what's wrong and what's constitutional, what isn't. And often like Kilo, they get it wrong, but you need somebody there to say like, you know what that, I think we can get away with that. And here's why. And you make that argument. And if you, it turns out that that isn't the case or you lose that argument, if you lose Kilo, I don't think it's impeachable. Yeah. I think that's just like, okay, we've set actually, hopefully in cases, Kilo is the wrong example for this, a good precedent and that won't happen again in the future. So. I think yeah. it's the, the category. Does your silence mean you totally agree with me, Camille? He's mm -hmm. got the furrow. Oh, okay. Oh, that was surprising because mm -hmm. yep. usually that furrow means that's, something that's else. That's what it means. Oh. Um, but for me, it's just abuse of power. Are you bending? <laughs> the, playing Fortnite or are something? you bending the state to enrich yourself or to punish your enemies um, in mm -hmm. a way that is that is is fundamentally improper and it can't be construed in any other way? Um, that to me is is the thing, right? So um, and we all know that that's what he did. <laughs> And Literally, he, and, we don't. Just, like, we, that's what he did. That's what he did. So, like, it's, the question about yeah. impeachment, it isn't really a question about facts in a huge way. Like, the broad outlines of it, and, like, there will be details, whatever. But, like, we kind of know what he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, and since impeachment is a movable standard based on whatever the Senate decides, um, you either decide that's good or bad. And here's my vote, which is a, a lonely position, um, but I'm happy uh, uh, to have it, is that there's some value in having the House uh, pass articles impeachment and having the Senate um, say, no, we're not going to vote for it. Like that process in itself could be healthy and fine. Like Hel every, everyone healthy is and fine in what respect? In the respect that we had the we, that we had the process, that we learned more about the way that U.S. policy was done. This is the thing that baffles me to this day. There's a lot of people who will absolutely defend the WikiLeaks release of DNC emails, mm -hmm. not just on grounds of John Podesta's incompetence, <clears throat> but just on the grounds of like, hey, we want more information. Totally. Okay. Um, so we have more information about the conduct of actual government Based on the way that a the Mueller report, but b the impeachment process has has given us so far, sure. And a lot of those same people, not named Camille Foster, were like, "Oh, that's terrible. Um, this is really bad." Like, like of the things that you should know about, like stupid ass emails of political parties, is on the list. But like the conduct of the president of the United States and his underlings in the commission of trying to do stupid Rudy Giuliani crimes in like fucking Ukraine. That's, that's higher on my list. Like I'm happy that this process has taught us at least some things about your girlfriend, the Fiona Hills and, and other people <laughs> uh, mm. and, mm. and, and their way of doing things. So like Talk to Camille, I, <laughs> he's lovely. Can we book her Fisher? I'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that's way, it. That's, we're she done. would be <laughs> literally the worst diplomat in the world if she's like, "Yeah, come on." <laughs> no, right? That's I'll, not. That's imagine her sitting career. in Moynihan's chair, she like might? firing eyeball lasers at Camille. What oh would he God. do? He would just. Dear it would God. just. 
You dissolve I, into a puddle. I would just text oh, Tracy man. and I'd be like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me, but I know it's over. Sorry. I mean, I'm sorry, baby. I call her baby. <laughs> baby, I'm sorry. What are you doing? You want oh, like, you help I'm moving sorry, out? Baby, I'm sorry, baby. Baby, I'm sorry. I got, <laughs> no, I'm not strong. I can't move, but I got some friends. They're Russian. Russian motherfuckers that come over. You kind of sound like Jeffrey Osborne. I like that. Jeffrey Osborne? Yeah. Who's Jeffrey Osborne? He does all the talking, and you, and you know, baby, who's Jeffrey Are Osborne? Who's Jeffrey Osborne? I don't know. He's really, the beard LTV? guy from the eighties. Oh yeah, you oh, know. Sorry. I, 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 oh yeah, he was yeah, the sorry. only one who talked in this song. I, 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 no, it, but I mean, yeah. but it I'm was saying, you, you did, I thought it was. A, I thought it was like a friend of yours. <laughs> you know, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're friend A E I R or something. Yeah, I mean, um, deep cut. Uh, I mean, I'm trying really hard because you encouraged me not to sing because I want to. No, you know I'm what? Like actually Seriously? shaking a little bit. Seriously, there is a Patreon, you know, and I you, love can, you. you know, you can do. <laughs> I love you. You can no what? No, Did someone kill a mouse? I don't know. It's terrible. No, come on. It's a good falsetto. It's. I mean. Come no, on. None of us can Come sing. on. None of us can sing that. That's not true. Matt so we've, been, we've been going for like 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything else we need to wrap up on? Um, no, we were talking about the Irishman, though. You were going to say something. Oh, boy. I want to oh know what you thought. Oh, boy. It. I liked uh, it. It's long and it's 10 great. o'clock. Yeah. I, no, I liked it, too. I liked it, too. But yeah, You got some questions, though. No, it's just the whole thing's bullshit, though. <laughs> what? It, Which part? It's, it's based on a fake story. Yeah, story. Which is the fake story? The whole thing is... Frank Sheen's story, the man is... It's the truth. Yeah, oh my God. They were gonna kill... Yeah, yeah. They, if they could kill a president, yeah. they could kill Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, you know what you, know you, know you don't do if you want to kill Jimmy Hoffa? Get that fat, stupid Mick to do it. <laughs> Jesus. Come on. So it's, like, it's like JFK. It's a good movie. Just don't... Don't just, make any but, of it. Yeah, it's good. But I like the guy it. had a JFK lot of bodies. Was a documentary. On it. Now, by the way, it's not even clear that he did that. The thing that so really he did, you don't even think he killed he committed any murders. Well, I mean, he definitely didn't kill Joey Gallo. I yeah. mean that Umberto's clam house uh, it was like three Italian guys. And yeah. it wasn't some some guy like Frank Sheehan who's like from Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> guy from yeah, get that guy from the Philly. He's the Punisher. And he's like, I don't even know where I am. I like, yeah, okay, you're on Mulberry. So go up to just go up to Houston. It's called Houston? Like, no, no, it's Houston. Like that's not no, you're not sending the guy for that job. Um, that's total bullshit. And like people who know this stuff know this stuff. Yeah. It's also you know it's it's bullshit because um threaded throughout the thing is uh, hints at a JFK conspiracy theory, which yeah. just any it just doesn't exist. Yeah, in, in the in the early reviews that I read, they said it's not in there, but it is. It is in there. there. I mean, you if you if, like if you pay attention to stuff and you have somebody delivering guns to David Ferry, yeah, uh, you know, with his bad wig and fake eyebrows. Um, oddly enough, played what, by Joe Pesci. But that was that was those were the Bay of Pigs guns. Uh, there's also Frank Sheen also said that he delivered. Like five rifles right, to Baltimore. to um, Dallas in yeah. a couple of days before the shooting, which isn't true either. Uh, it's just it's just complete lies. And um, you know, I mean, the, the the read, the most generous read of him on it is that he had something to do with it in the sense that he has some knowledge of it, mm. but um, it definitely wasn't him that pulled the trigger. And what he says about why it happened, how it happened, et cetera, is, is very, very right. skeptical. They're very dubious of it. But, you know, look, it was a good movie. And it was like, I, I'm one of these people that I'm, if, if Scorsese made a version of Goodfellas every five years for the next 100 years, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. You know, I mean, Casino is a version of Goodfellas. This is obviously 
basically it's like Goodfellas without the action, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like union politics and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but uh, look, I, I thought it was I thought it was a very good movie. I was not I wasn't happy with the, the de aging. I said this in the Patreon when we did. It's a bit waxy. Everyone looked a bit waxy. Yeah. You know, I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't look very good. I mean, it was impressive as hell. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you still know you're seeing there's something a little off about it. I think it looks very stiff because of that de-aging thing. You, you felt the same way, Fisher? I was not as bothered by the CGI as a lot of people were. Like, mm-hmm. I, cause I kind of, I had heard so much about it that I sort of accepted it going yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's like one of those things where I was like, I'm not going to let that bother me if it, unless it's really, really bad or blurry. exactly. And it's not. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I think that's right. Some yeah. people made the point that I think is a fair one, but it also didn't bother me all that much is that De Niro Pacino and Joe Pesci are very, very old men at this point. Mm-hmm. And when they move as 40 year olds, they're moving like 70 year olds. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say the worst part of yeah. that movie? I mean, I cannot believe people haven't like cut this out, like put little like gifts of it or gifs of it online is the bit where De Niro beats the shop owner in front yeah, of him. It's yeah. like, he's, he's like, he, it's like <laughs> literally, it's like, you can't CGI that motherfucker to like look tough. It's also a long it's shot. Like, it's a long shot. He could have a stunt double. He could have a double. It doesn't have to be He have a leg double like standing next to him. Like, it's like, he I mean, it was like, in his own work, man. But he, like, he's like beating the tar of this guy. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it looks, looks like Suge Knight's grandfather. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It almost looks like a silent <laughs> film, like there's missing yeah, frames. I know. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like a Harold Lloyd movie. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. But that was like, that I was like, what the but, hell? And, and entertainment value wise, it was a three and a half hour movie. And at no point yeah. was I like fidgeting, looking for my watch. I was yeah, always, yeah. I was always entertained. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, I watched it with my, my lovely wife who was less impressed than me. And I said, listen, as I said to you, Scorsese's made, I think, five or six gangster movies. I think that there's three or four better than this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I've I've also said, like, there's just so much going on there. And the, the good Scorsese movies are always re- worth rewatching. Mm-hmm. And I really don't even feel like I can give a full judgment without a second watch. Oh, yeah. by the way, yeah. holy fucking shit. At the end of the movie, when I'm like, because I, I, I watched it the night after Thanksgiving. Oh, and on Thanksgiving night, exactly when I watched it, I got, I I, I, I just, and we, again, this is, uh, we're giving a little too much of the Patreon stuff. I I got a little bombed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, dude. It was nuts. (laughs) Oh my God. That was like, it was like the departed. I departed from fucking sense. I got, so the next night I was like, I was going to go out and I just like on my couch, I was like in my own little coffin and, um, I was falling asleep in like the eighth hour of it. It's like a, you know, like an Andy Warhol movie. It's like sleep. It's like someone sleeping for eight hours. Beck's mommy. To yeah, cheeseburger. Yeah, exactly. That's right. She was a Warhol star. And so I turn around at one point, I'm like kind of fading and they're going in to buy. Um, and again, there's no spoilers in this at all, but uh, going into, but there's the only spoiler that you should know is that if you don't know the spoiler, you have a bad education because Jimmy Hoffa got murdered. But, um, <laughs> but uh, there's a, uh, a bit where they go in to buy. Um, but he also uh, raise, rises from the dead in three days. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, the, that's yeah, the twist. Yeah. And then he's like a zombie and he goes <laughs> like, yeah, it's really weird. And he like moves to Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, Fights Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, but <laughs> living, he, living with Tupac now. But well, speaking of rappers, as, uh, Buying um, 
as uh, a scene where they buy a coffin, like a co- and it's Action Bronson. Yeah, yeah, he was good, and he's uncredited. I like it. Yeah, it was good. More action, Bronson absolutely leaped out of the screen. I was like, (laughs) and it was so funny because he's like, it's like you know, it's supposed to be like what 1974 or something, and like he's got long sleeves uh, shirts on, (laughs) but like you can see like the two inches on both uh, wrists of the sleeve tattoos, Uh which I don't think was really a thing so much maybe in the 74 amongst funeral home. It might have been like you know out of prison, but there was uh, who else? There was one other. it was a cameo. It was something, some other person I saw. But you know, I, it used to be great when Scorsese's mother was in the movie. She was in a bunch of his They movies. could have CGI'd her in. Honestly. I know. Like, <laughs> there's enough footage of her in Scorsese I, movies I to, to yeah. put her in. One, one dog's looking this way, one's looking the other way. I mean, she's amazing and good fellas. But, but yeah, it's totally worth it. But um, the history of it leaves a lot to be desired. And um, the mob didn't kill Kennedy. Um, the Teamsters didn't kill Kennedy. You ruined, you ruined that for me before I watched it. Yeah, you? well, here's the thing. The guy... I want to believe. Yeah, because I... Was, and, and, and Mulder poster on my wall. Yeah, the guy who defected to Russia and uh, hated Kennedy for invading a cute for the Bay of Pigs yeah. and was a member of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. <laughs> he And the one that bought the man liquor Carcano rifle. That's what, was the one who, was yeah. what they want was you to think. So, yeah, I was like, huh, <laughs> was he the who one could have the, done it? Was he the one in the book suppository with yeah, the rifle? Was a, yeah, yeah, he also was, he was a Marine sharpshooter, too. He was a Marine sharpshooter, too. Yeah, and like, you know, he had also gone to the Soviet embassy in Mexico City, like trying, like trying to like redefend, brought like brought a Russian woman. Like, come on, guys! And the reason I thought this was funny, and and um, we've talked about this, and I, I know it's not it's not widely known because people are in love with the conspiracy. There's a great example of the conspiracy theory uh, replacing uh, the truth because a, a wildly large major- majority of Americans believe in the conspiracy theory and they don't believe in the official Warren Report uh, version, something which nobody's actually read, but they mm-hmm. just know it's suspicious and the rest of it. But um, the, the incredible thing about it is that is that all the conspiracy theories started because of Lee Harvey Oswald's defection. Because the defection created panic within within Moscow Station, within, within um, the KGB mm-hmm. and Lubyanka headquarters. They're like, fuck they're gonna think we did it and <laughs> it was like yeah and so and, and I, I and i think i pointed this before it's like really not widely known but it's it's buried in the vasily matrokin archives in the book about it is the first is the first conspiracy book published in the u.s which i believe was published in early 1964 was published by a kgb front publishing house in new york city and there's a reason for it obviously it's because you know you have a guy who defected the soviet union was pledging fealty to either Castro's Cuba or the Soviet Union and shoots a beloved president in the head. Um, Yeah. You might want to try to deflect attention, even though it's one of those great examples of deflecting attention to your, from yourself, even though you're not guilty. Uh, So do you have any comment on the fact that a uh, recent entrant into the libertarian party presidential nomination uh, race, Jacob Hornberger, who's likely to be one of the front runners in that has written two books. My response to that is duh. It's <laughs> a libertarian party. I mean, I'm surprised that's like mainstream. Did you, did you write one about how we should all be able to sleep with 12 year olds? That was oh, one. Do you remember yeah. that girl? That who that girl, a woman. It's Mary Ruart. And it's a possibly yeah. not 
exactly perfectly representation of what she said. Okay, I'll just ask you this. I'll just ask you this question. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is it a position you would be comfortable publicly stating yourself, Matt? Well, Matt has a Nambla tattoo, <laughs> so I don't. I don't. I don't think it should be a lawful thing for twelve-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. I just, we're, Not the hell you're gonna die on. We're we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're clear, clear yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the gonna, way, anyone know this before anyone asks me any questions? Well, the last thing we end on a trivia, amazingly been buried by history. And I think everybody in this room, uh, maybe with the exception of Camille, uh, knows this. Uh, the most famous outspoken member of NAMBLA? Anyone? Allen Ginsberg. There you go. Allen wow. Ginsberg. I didn't wow. I was, yeah. I was one, one of the last times I was ever stoned, which is like 25 years ago, was in Prague. And he had published a poem in the newspaper that I started. It was one of the last published poems of Allen Ginsberg was in my fucking newspaper. So right. all y'all fuck yourselves. Right. Uh, it was about Bosnia. It was about Sarajevo. But how it was uh, like hot boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so, hot young Balkanization. Uh, uh, he was sitting there and he went to the uh, two L's. Uh, the Czech Museum. Municipal House, Obetsny Doom, which is the beautiful place where they declared their independence from the Austrian, whatever the fuck, Habsburg Empire. And a uh, great place. And he was talking and he was great. He was just sort of like wonderful, much better than in the uh, Dylan uh, Rolling Thunder Review documentary yeah. by Scorsese. Um, just kind of like all over the map, but but uh, passionate and interested about the Yugoslav War and other things. And then like he segued into and that's why. Freedom requires that we uh, recognize uh, love between uh, men and 13-year-old boys. And, like, we had just, like, smoked a ton of ash. Yes. And we're, like, looking at each other like, I was comfortable there until, was, like, 10 was seconds it like one, ago. It was like, I, I, yeah, like, I don't know. Don't do know I, do what I, to do. Do I clap for this? Yeah. And so, like, my obvious uh, answer was to uh, not smoke pot anymore. And uh, I, will, I, don't know, I will finish on a radical opinion. Uh, Howl is a really shitty poem. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, it's a bad poem. That's a French goodbye. And by the way, he's uh, he didn't know the greatest minds of his generation. They'd never even been in the same zip code as <laughs> So, <laughs> so please. Wow. Sorry. Nice. Yeah, I, I for sure thought you were going to say something about R. Kelly and Aaliyah because there's like new counts against R. That's R. Kelly because they were getting <laughs> I mean, an ID. But, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is the that is why. the pedophile version of getting Al Capone on tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> he got her a fake ID. It's like it's on like yeah, no, he married a 14 year old. Pardon me, that's hasn't, enough. Hasn't she been dead for like 20 years? Yeah, 15. she crashed in a plane yeah. in Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. What's the conspiracy? Was it was it coming from Jamaica? I think it was in Jamaica, wasn't it? Or maybe Somewhere it was the Bahamas. The yeah. It was the Bahamas. Yeah, she just made that rock the boat video. That's right. Yep. Yeah, she's coming back from that shooting that video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Covering I, the, it was the Bahamas. It was Bahamas. Yes. Well, at least yeah. I was right the second track. Yeah. It was 2001. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want you to put that on us. It was on, Camille's I didn't 9/11. want you to put, on, put that on us. <laughs> but was she covering the Hughes Corporation hit from 1974? Oh, yeah. No, of course. I oh mean, I mean, Frank Sturgis was in the play. <laughs> <laughs> There's some people that will get that reference. Oh, oh God. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. We should go. Yeah, uh, bye. All right. bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Trojan Hall.